previously on X-Men. All right. Well, this is Neighbors Trash. Um, this is me, Paul, and Kelly, and Joe, and we're back. Um, and we're talking about X3, X-Men, The Last Stand, which is a film that came out, I believe, in 2006. Is that correct? Yes. And it uh, is the third of the original X-Men uh, trilogy, and it is the, well, we'll talk about what it is um as we go along here but it does this is my so we'll start with this this is my second time ever seeing this movie and the first time i saw it was in the theater when it was released um i don't think i've ever seen this movie i think that i've just seen uh trailers for it as far as when i watched it i don't have any memory of this movie i was uh the big x-men guy growing (laughs) up uh I watched the cartoon when I was super little. And then uh, when the movies, when the first two movies came out, I was very excited for them, saw them in the theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when the third one came out, all my friends went with me to go see it. And because uh, I was the X-Men guy, I was like, Joe's going to have a good time watching X-Men. And Joe did not have a good time <laughs> watching X-Men. They had a good time, though. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised that because I did not like it the first time I saw it at all. Um, I... And I wasn't an X-Men guy. I was a Spider-Man and Batman. Those were my superheroes. And then I watched X2. And I was like, this is awesome. And then I wanted to learn all the things about the X-Men. And then I, you know, watched the first movie and then started reading the comics and got really into it. And then I saw the third one. I was like, oh, man, that sucks. But I didn't stop (laughs) liking the X-Men. I just thought that movie sucked. No, you burned all the comics and you... (laughs) I remember we had we had the X2 VHS because I remember that's the one I've seen the most amount of times because we had mm-hmm. that. But I don't think I saw any of these in the theater. X2 is the best one. Uh, X2 is, is a, it's a very, very good movie, I think. Um, the first X-Men is also quite good, I think. The scale is smaller. One of the things when you go back and watch these movies that will maybe surprise people who didn't see them at the time is that like, the scale and the the budget is way less than superhero movies than you see now. Mm-hmm. So you don't see near as much power usage, you know, by the individual characters. You don't see near as much CGI stuff. They kind of save it up mm-hmm. for big set pieces once, you know, one or two of them. Which I don't mind. I mean, it is nice to see the more action and the powers being used, but I don't mind it being on a smaller scale like this, especially I think X2 like nailed it. Like, I think um, that one is definitely the best at, like, showcasing that stuff, but also telling a really compelling story and just being, like, a good-looking, good movie. Um, Yeah, and I agree that the first one is... First one is... I I really like the first one, too, but it's definitely... It's much different comparing it to to superhero movies today. Yeah, I think um, they both... This era of these movies, like the Spider-Man ones included, because Spider-Man was really the one that blew the door open for mm-hmm. comic book movies. Well, after Blade did. Um, mm-hmm. Spider-Man was the first big, like huge budget uh, and then make that budget back many times over type uh, block- blockbuster. Um, these This era of these movies allow for characterization because they don't have to do smash cuts to the next fight scene uh, every 30 seconds. So yeah, you get to like actually 
have individual characters who have their own personalities instead of, you know, kind of like the Marvel mold is everybody is mm-hmm. kind of the same person, you know, same quippy. Uh, they have, you know, they can fly now uh, kind of guy. Ugh, yeah. Yeah. But it's uh, really, yeah. yeah, we were oh, talking God. about this yesterday. Well, we might save this for later, but it is like the one thing that I, the reason I think I enjoyed this movie more than I thought I would is just because compared to a lot of those new movies, I'm like, hey, this is an actual, it's not a good movie, but it's a movie, you know, like it's, it's pretty exciting at points and it tells a story and it's, it's not great <laughs> at doing those things, but it's better than a lot of the modern ones. Yeah, we were really easy on it yesterday because it just felt like um, we were watching a movie and it was really easy to follow. And I was like, it's not like the the Marvel movies mm-hmm. now where I'm just like, I have no idea what the fuck's going on because I did like I don't know these characters like I should. Yeah. And so like but I feel like with this movie, they kind of like guide you through it by the hand. So it's really, really easy. And like even and. It, like I don't know these characters, but I do get really excited when I see ones that are on the Marvel Snap cards with that I didn't know were X Men before. So that's okay. exciting. Um, but yeah, that's I'll all I got right for now. You. Thank you. I was I was experiencing that secondhand from you. I'm like, man, that would be cool. <laughs> I was like, that's the Juggernaut. I was like, I use his card. <laughs> and you're like, yep. Well, no, these characters to- existed for sure. When you told me that uh, multiple man like was a big one for you, that's that's when my heart grew three sizes that day. Uh, I didn't know he was an X Men. Like I use that card all the time, but I was like, I I just thought he was another Marvel guy. Like I thought he was like a main Marvel guy. Like his they can't he had movies. I didn't know he was an X Men. Multiple man should have movies. I feel yeah, and uh, that was um. Yeah. I was telling Paul, like, he was barely in this movie, but, like, that was um, McSeamy from Grey's Anatomy. Oh, really? Yeah, because, like, I heard his voice, and I'm like, that's McSteamy, and he looks so freaking young. But I felt like Grey's Anatomy was on at the same time. Like, I thought Grey's Anatomy was, like, 2006. Yeah, sounds right. But in Grey's Anatomy, he's, like, he's, like, a 50-year-old guy with gray hair. And so, like, (laughs) I heard his voice. And then I was like, that's McSteamy. And then I looked at him. I was like, this is a young McSteamy. Hmm. So I don't know, because Elliot Page looked way younger than I remember in Juno. So that's threw me off because I think Juno came out when I was in high school, which would have been like 2008. Right. I don't know. I don't. uh, That's actually a good question, because I remember when Elliot was cast, (laughs) it was it was a big deal. Like people were like, oh, that rocks like they're the perfect, you know. Perfect shadow cat casting. Uh, and then I figure that would only be true if, if you know, Elliot had already made the big debut, which was Juno, right? Well, I, I was looking so. up on the trivia and I guess that the director did like specifically ask him to be in the movie because of hard candy. Oh, okay. That was that big movie with Patrick Wilson. Got it. Okay. Um, but but I but it's still weird that they look so much younger because Juno, like, would I know for sure Juno was like two thousand eight, but this was two thousand six. But I don't know how long these were in production. I don't know. It just it threw me off that all these characters looked way younger than I remember them looking. Two thousand and seven. Yeah. It says here on the internet. Okay. okay. There you go. Bang, bang. Yeah. One back to back. Weird. Well. Should we get into the movie? 
Yeah, if, I you, uh, if you guys are done talking about how young people look, I guess. <laughs> Let me think if I thought anybody looked young. I don't I think, think so. Paul, maybe you can back me up on this. I think it might make sense really quick to like just um, lay down sort of what the whole X-Men deal is. Because uh, I think that this, looking at this movie, you kind of have to look at it at one of two ways. One of them is as just like a movie, like a summer fun, you know, whatever movie that you go see for a couple hours and then kind of forget about mm -hmm. or as an X-Men movie. And uh, the reason why that distinction matters is because the X-Men uh, has for its entire existence been um, notable for like its metaphor, right? Where they are, this is a group of heroes mm. who are genetically different from other people, but are, and for that reason are, are hated and uh and discriminated against and nonetheless they try to win over public opinion and then you know win a place in society uh it is a specifically civil rights not capital cr but lowercase cr civil rights uh metaphor and uh that can be tricky because like people try to put a little too much hot sauce on it like you know, this is being a mutant is not the same thing as being black being a mutant is not the same thing as being you know gay or lesbian whatever um mm. but there are common experiences for people in minority populations, you know, for immutable characteristics, right? We're not talking about right. minority of opinion or something like that, but by literal, you know, birth, um, there are commonalities across those experiences, which these types of movies, uh, the, specifically the earliest X-Men movies, uh, were, were angling for, um, their first, the first two movies were directed by uh, a person who was big at the time, but is now no longer really allowed to work in Hollywood due to some pretty hellacious allegations against him. Um, but he is a gay director, and the first two movies uh, were very explicitly, um, you know, utilizing the X Men metaphor in service of talking about like gay, the gay experience growing up in America. Um, mm -hmm. I could say we'd expand that to LGBTQIA plus, but. Um, you know, there's a lot of jokes in the first couple of movies about, you know, Bobby, like when Bobby Drake at Iceman goes to visit his parents and they don't really know like that he's a mutant yet. He's trying to tell them and like, they, you know, it's it's treated like a coming out scene where she's like, are you gay? You know, it's like a very on the nose stuff. Um, mm -hmm. But for the, for the time was very progressive and cool. Um, and it was it was nice to see in something like superhero media that something like bigotry could be you know taken on. Uh, straight across and and put on screen um, and have the the movie's message message be explicitly that sucks you know bigotry is bad don't be one um, the the good guys are the ones that you know are fighting for equality so on and so forth anyway that to me is a, an important distinction because that director of the first two movies uh, did not direct this movie mm -hmm. so the first two, another yeah, horrible person uh, <laughs> that has been picked out of hollywood uh yes directed this one so and yeah the the just um you know the the thing that this movie contends with i think if if you are somebody who is interested in these comics or this this uh you know uh series of media for it for its message whether it's partially or entirely for me like mm -hmm. the message is a big deal like i i really enjoyed that as a kid it felt like you know the future was bright, you know, that, that, um, yeah. fighting for something better and things were getting better all the time. Um, and the X-Men were kind of like a reflection of that hope that I really enjoyed. Uh, this, this movie has the same actors as those first two movies, uh, it has, some, <laughs> it has some of the same 
sort of it tries to have some of the same weight, you know, and it tries mm-hmm. to make some of the same jokes, but it's not as geared in the social justice direction as the first two are. And I think, um, you know, whether or not you care about that is totally up to you and it's not right or wrong. It's just I think it's going to color how you approach the movie. It is. I think the reason I enjoyed this so much this time watching it is because I have not seen the first two movies in a very long time. And I think if I, my plan was I was going to watch all three and then, you know, it's just kind of fill myself in kind of glad I didn't because I, I know kind of like sitting on it and thinking it's like, Oh yeah, th- why did they do this? Or this was done poorly. Like, and, uh, and definitely thinking about it as a continuation from X2, it's like, it doesn't really work. And you're right that it's, it is it is cool that they tackle that and I th- I think for the most part do a good job with it but it's a tricky metaphor it's it's a tricky thing to balance because you are also saying like and I don't think you really saw like it's tricky because you're talking about a group of people that have a weapon that they have with them all the time and they could potentially be dangerous And that is an actual, you know, concern, security concern and dealing with that and how to approach that and tying it into, you know, civil rights, gay rights, whatever it is, is is tricky. Like, I think you kind of have to be careful with it and pick your moments to do that and also accept that it can't really be a one to one comparison because it is you know, it's a completely different thing. You can't really compare the two things because, you know, you are talking about people that have, you know, claws that come out of their hands or can shoot you with laser beams or do whatever else. Like people that like are, have a right to be concerned about those things, I guess. And I don't know, I guess this one, it just was very obvious that it's like, huh, I don't know if like the villains are, I don't know. It, it, it's yeah, it's like people had like... a right to be concerned, like you said. And then also, I feel like some mutants with the powers they had had a right to be like, it maybe would be better if I didn't have this anymore. Like which it is, made sense. Yeah, which is something we'll and we'll talk about this because I mean, once we get into it, but there's a the character in this that it's like, A, was a huge part of the first two movies that really didn't have anything to do with this movie. And that did have a case for hey, they could do something interesting with this. Maybe they would seek out a cure. Maybe that could be their storyline in this. And then it's just like, no, they're just going to not be in the movie for, you know, 90% of it. So I don't know. It's like, I feel like there are ways it could have been handled better if it, you know, had a better director, better script or whatever, but it just, they didn't really land a lot of that stuff. I don't feel like, especially in the third one. I agree, Paul, and that is what uh, ultimately leads me to be let down by the movie is that uh, if you're not going to be able to do it well, kind of don't do it because it's it's such a touchy, understandably and correctly, a touchy subject for so many people. The whole mutant metaphor thing, I agree. I said earlier it's tricky. I I agree with you in saying so. Um, The way that works best is if you let other people, you know, people who are under scrutiny, people who are experiencing bigotry, allow them to map themselves onto the metaphor, right? In any way that they feel comfortable. Like if they find comfort in seeing otherized um, people as heroes in their media, and like that is something that brings them joy, like that's great. When you try to map the metaphor onto people, that's bad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Yeah, because like you're just saying, right? Like these are in in this case, you're talking about people who are super powered, and maybe there's like a somewhat legitimate concern about safety and all that stuff. The, the way that I think that if you're going to approach it from that angle, you got to do it from the angle of of the the whole universe of superheroes, right? Because the thing is, is the X Men are not the only super powered uh, superheroes in in their universe. You've got the Avengers, you got Spider Man, you got all these different heroes. And the vast majority of them are beloved by the public, uh, whether or not they end up destroying city blocks with a regular basis. And the only real difference between those heroes and the X-Men are that the X-Men are genetically different. You know, those other heroes are humans mm. who were yeah. modified by like getting hit by gamma rays or by being bitten by a radioactive spider or whatever. Mm. Uh Spider-Man's kind of an inter inter interesting in the middle case because he got he goes back and forth from being like a local villain to being a local hero, uh, depending on who's writing him. But um, the X-Men are hated specifically because of their genetics and they have their their mm -hmm. Avengers are way more powerful <laughs> uh, top to bottom than the X-Men are, uh, at least that they're supposed to be in canon. I will not actually admit that as an X-Men fan, but whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's for all these reasons. It gets goofy fast. I think the only thing that you can uh, really take away as a positive from it is if you say like, it's good that this exists in media when it's handled well, it's it's great. And you know, the thing that they've done recently is allow, or they've they've hired trans writers, they've hired gay writers, lesbian writers, you know, ace writers, whatever. Like they all the people who have been handling the X Men property for the recent past, or or very very many of them, have been people from marginalized backgrounds, which is good like that's those yeah. are stories that should be told by folks who who know it firsthand yeah i think that that's absolutely it it's just that this one just did not handle that very well and it was so obvious no, because no, no, no. it's yeah it's like i mean like you said it, it can be done well it has been done well and it's continuing to be done well but in this case it's just like this is a huge like the whole it's very distracting the entire we'll get into it when we talk about it it's a it's a very distracting point throughout the entire movie to where like it's it's hard not to be like i don't know like maybe i mean obviously the way they went about it is not correct but like kelly was saying it's like if some if they have a cure and some mutants are like you know i'd like to be able to touch my significant other that would be great i don't really like this you know and they they made that choice i mean that is also something you could tie into, you know, real life experiences as well, but it's just, they didn't touch on that or even try to. And it's just a, it's a huge mess all the way through in that respect, at least. Yeah. Which is exactly why uh viewer, if you're going to watch this movie, turn your brain off, Uh just enjoy a big spectacle where everybody for some reason can leap 55,000 feet at a time uh on like, uh, on the floating wires, like they don't move their legs or arms. They just kind of move in one position for 50. Yeah. Uh, from that perspective, it rocks uh, kind of, I guess. <laughs> it's, it's better than I was expecting going in. Yes. I had fun. So. I had a good yeah. time. Yeah. I think it can be fun uh, for the reasons just described and a few others. Let's get in to the movie itself. <clears throat> All right. Well, I guess I I kind of did it the same way I did the last scream where I, I just kind of have where the scene starts. We can just kind of go into it. Yeah. Um, so this movie opens up with um, Professor X and Magneto. They're visiting a young Jean Grey at her family's house. So 
in the in X2 at the very end of X2, as we know it, Jean Grey has has died. So she saved um all the other X-Men. I think the world, it's been a little bit since I've seen it now. So you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. But she uh held up a dam, I think, and then it broke, and then she got crushed by the water. Um, so at the very end of X2, we think that she has passed away. And so this is the beginning of X3. We all think that she's gone. And we're starting with Magneto and Professor X with a young Jean Grey at her parents' house. Yeah, this, this intro is really good. I like this intro of Jean. Uh, the de-aging CGI on uh, Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen isn't like great, but it also isn't, you know, uh, totally terrible by any means. Um, it didn't take me out or anything. Like I was looking at it and I was like, that can't be their real faces, but... I, yes. I could believe it. Ian McKellen in that maroon suit. That that was a good look for him. I enjoyed that. I like what that was well. a good look? The suit what? he was wearing when he came oh. in. I don't uh, recall. I'll have to relook. The the thing about Patrick Stewart uh in his uh de-aging special effects were that if you actually go look at what he looked like when he was 35 or whatever, he just looks like the same. Uh, <laughs> He's always Well, like I looked up how they did it. And so I guess they, they had like a, a program that was, it was basically just their young faces put over their old faces. So you're spot on. That's exactly what he looked like because that was his face. <laughs> That's him. <laughs> it didn't bother me. I, I did notice that something was strange, but uh, yeah, I, I thought it was fine. A plus. A yeah. plus. <laughs> well, so, you know, Jean is there. She's a, a haughty uh, H-A-U-G-H uh, T-Y. Yeah, anyway. I was about to say, I thought she was a young <laughs> child, Joe. Whoa. <laughs> nope, that's why I spelled it. Uh, I was going to spell that one out. Uh, yeah, she is a insolent uh, child who, you know, has these telekinetic powers that she doesn't have any real control over, but uh, when she has her emotional reactions to things, like, you know, it comes out and it's, it's a very apparent that she's very powerful. Um, and, you know, Charles and uh, Eric, or I guess, you know, Professor X and Magneto do their thing of uh, trying to reach out, whether it's telepathically or whatever, to let this person know that they're different too, and they're there to help and so on and so forth. <clears throat> and then uh, shit still goes pear-shaped, which is fine. We see Stanley. Uh, so, Jean Grey starts doing her powers, lifting stuff up. We go outside. Stanley's out there with his hose. Is this the first time he's a? Did he appear? No, he appeared in the Spider-Man movies, right? So, yeah, he was in of, like the majority of them, health permitting. Yeah, I do love how used this uh, this neighborhood seems to be to Jean Grey's <laughs> like moving shit around because it's a very yeah. uh, Ned Flanders type situation out there where everyone's just kind of like okily dokily Jean <laughs> move them down again. <laughs> let's just <laughs> not don't look at her don't say anything <laughs> just keep on going love the idea of Jean uh, like carrying Ned by the window and being like hadly hey dooly do <laughs> <laughs> I want to give you guys a heads up that with the Zoom, because Paul, we're not using yours. It has the time limits. Oh, no. Yeah. So I think it's 30 minutes. So we're going to have to do it in like 30 minute increments. Oh, man. I know it sucks. I, I didn't even think about that because you usually do it. Well, yeah, because I, I guess I had some program that was $160. I don't remember that. So <laughs> I wasn't going to pay for that again. Um, 
but okay we'll, we'll just we'll have to stop and yeah i'll just let you guys know when it happens okay we have eight minutes right now we'll keep an eye on it um so at the same time i think it's supposed to be happening at the same time it's not very well um edited or directed in here with the angel uh parallel so they go straight from Jean Grey's, and we can still say more stuff about that too. I'm just kind of putting them together. Um, it goes straight from this uh, area to Angel is in the bathroom. It, this is Angel, right? I keep saying that, and you guys haven't yeah. confirmed that. Okay. <laughs> so Angel is a young boy, and he's in the uh, the bathroom, and he's try- um, you just see this young kid. He's... Uh, obviously in distress and he's trying to hack something off the ba- off his back while his dad is knocking on the door um, and he's distressed. He's trying to get rid of all the blades and everything that he's doing in there before his dad busts in and his dad busts in and sees that he's a mutant and he has uh, angel wings on his back and he apologizes and his dad's like, oh my God, this is awful. Yeah. I thought yeah. that's... Oh, was- I'm- Go ahead. Go ahead. Let's all go ahead. Yeah, I, <laughs> I thought it was, this was decently well done. Like, it, again, it's kind of tying it into this, like, <laughs> trying to hide something from his dad, clearly something that he feels shame about, even though it's a very natural thing. And, you know, it's it, it like with the, he was like grinding them off. I don't know what I know. It was there, disturbing. It was, yeah. And is, is this Archangel? Is that, I know like is that the correct X-Men the or is it just Angel? It's the same guy. Yeah, real quick. Okay. Break. okay. Yeah, Warren Worthington is a rich kid uh who grows angel wings. That's his mutation. Um and then in the in the comics, he's actually pretty well adjusted by it cuz he's rich mm-hmm. and he solves everything. Um but eventually he does decide he wants to get them removed as an adult and then he uh is basically tricked by Apocalypse to into uh becoming tra- being transformed into the angel of death mm. uh, and he becomes archangel which was just a way to try to make angel seem like cool or interesting because angel <laughs> really boring it is it, it really is like they didn't even really know what to do with him in this movie at all they're just kind of like fly around come back fly yeah around. he had like he had his cool pose so yeah this is supposed to be the same period i think seven years before the events of of the X-Men movies, is that right or is it longer than It that? just says some years later when it goes back. Oh, really? So I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's probably later than that. I don't know. But anyway, so that yeah, we that I don't know. I thought that was all right. <laughs> no, I thought the individual scenes were fine. I just felt like they didn't really tie together very well because I thought it was confusing going straight from that and then that mm-hmm. just being the full opening sequence before it did like the whole X-Men opening sequence. Cause it's like, okay, how are these two people related? And, and they're yeah. really not other than just both having like a, uh, an issue that like, uh, like a new mutant issue. That's the only thing they had in common. It wasn't like these two characters. They're not mm-hmm. even really parallel in the movie at all. Cause Angel's not that big of a deal in this movie. Like nope. he is and he isn't. I guess and it's like they, you could see how they could have been. This feels like a movie where there's a lot of versions of the script or there's a lot of ideas and yeah. they kind of just picked a bunch out and it's like, okay, it's Archangel and Phoenix. Like you can see how there would be something there. And they didn't like also when they cut to Angel, um, it is confusing because it is a character we have not seen in this series yet. 
Um, so it's it is confusing if it's supposed to be present day or like how this is at all supposed to be connected. And you know, we're introduced to the rich guy character that kind of has a presence in this movie, kind of doesn't. Like that's just sort of everything in this movie. Like it's just sort of half like, oh, we could have done something, but like, you know, we did. Yeah, that's what was confusing to me, because the only reason that I knew who he was at all was Marvel Snap. Like, that's the only way. So mm -hmm. I was like a guy with wings. I know who that is. But like, yeah, if I was just watching this and I had no like I didn't read the comics or know anything, I'd be pretty lost that I'd tr I'd be trying to find a connection to Jean Grey that doesn't exist. Yeah, the uh, the connection, if you are a fan of the comics or whatever, is that the original five X-Men were Cyclops, Jean Grey, Angel, Iceman, and Beast. Um, okay. Uh, there's one connection. Uh, another connection, if you really want to try to do some work for the movie, is like Jean is passing, you know, that to use that that, that phrase or that that term and the word that it means for minor, you know, minority populations. Gene is passing. Warren is not. Warren has a very uh, obvious mutation, but um, you know both of them have their struggles. Even though Gene's is less apparent, uh, it's it's still causing her like astronomically bad problems, and will go on to for the rest of her life. So that's another potential parallel. You know uh, that is the two different experiences. But I'll tell you what it actually is, which is that they hired Ben Foster to play Warren Worthington slash Angel. And Ben Foster was very hot at the time. He was considered to be like the next big Hollywood guy of his generation. Uh, he had a whole lot of heat. It was a big coup for them to get him to do this movie. And they didn't do shit with him. So <laughs> stuck him wherever they could, which is like three minutes in the beginning and three minutes at the end. Yeah. That's funny because I thought about that because I was like, I think that guy's pretty big. And I was like, this must have been like right before he got big because he's in this movie. So that's funny. Yeah, he did not. And like, I, he's a really talented actor. I think he ended up working like a ton, but he was supposed I, he was supposed to be kind of like another like, I don't know, uh, all the examples I'm thinking of are, are jerks who shouldn't be working in Hollywood. But he was kind Brad of like Pitt? Brad, Brad Pitt's good. Brad Pitt was, you know, prettier and uh, and not quite as like, you know, troubled, you know, like all, all of Ben Foster's characters are kind of like inner turmoil. Mm. Um, but he can play it really well. And so, yeah, the the sky was the limit for him at the time. And uh, it's just very funny that they got him to do nothing. What about Edward Norton? Because he looks just like him. Yeah, there's got go. some Edward Norton there stuff go. in there. We got there. Yeah, he does his pose. I think at the... Oh, no, no, no. He hasn't Wait. done his pose yet. Okay, sorry. Yeah. I'm, he just, uh, he's just uh, hacking off his wings and being a child. Hacking off his wings and being yeah, Right a child. now, it's just deeply deeply disturbing imagery of like self-mutilation that's where we're at right now yeah it was like I, I don't know and those weird knives he had i think that's what made it like 10 times worse like what the hell are those like they were like half saws or something and he had so many of them yeah and he had like just shredded nubs coming out of his shoulder it, is it canon that that angel can grow his wings back too like so he Not cuts really. them off and they, I was just kind of surprised by that. It's just like, oh, okay, so they're gone. I kind of forgot that happened. And then he just grows them back like Wolverine. There, there may be some story buried, you know, years ago where like his wings are completely shredded and then come, you know, regenerate. But as yeah. I recall, his wings were, were basically intact until they were taken when he became Archangel. And then like 
10, 15 years after he became Archangel, like they they rebooted it basically where his like metal wings fell off and his new his his uh, his feather wings were back. Ah, uh, that's how it does happen. It, it did. But for like story reasons, not for any like, you know, actual regeneration power. All right. Did everybody super enjoy this uh, opening X-Men scene? You're like, wow, the whole time. This is exciting. Are you asking Everybody? us or the audience? <laughs> Why would I be talking to the audience? <laughs> That's the way you did. Everybody enjoy that? <laughs> That's you guys. That's everybody. Uh, yeah, I, I had a good time with it. Are we talking about yeah. the part where they're in the danger room? No, they're uh, right after these opening scenes. There's like a title so, uh, source with the oh, X Men, and a bunch of like graphics keep popping up. <laughs> yeah, you're you're. Uh, your pretty standard title sequence i think the <laughs> second one was better if i it's been a little bit since i've seen the first two but i remember <clears throat> those sequences being a little bit more exciting it was a lot of like you saw the the dna strands and i don't know kind of looked like kind of like a computer background sometimes but yeah, yeah. Right. i kind of i kind of miss it's very 2000s how they uh do those and i kind of miss them now in, in current movies but it's okay I, I can tell you guys are as excited as I am. <laughs> I like him. I like him. I remember thinking at the time it felt a little played because like Spider-Man also did that. Mm -hmm. um, and that was like, I think that first movie came out in like 1998 or something. So at this point it was like eight years later and they were still doing it. <laughs> because it's so exciting to people yeah, like me. It's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> they kind okay. of do it now i guess they do more like they have the intros right like this is more when they're like this is a marvel movie and then they do the marvel intro or they'll do the spider-man thing and then it comes into the movie and they do still do that with marvel movies of, of like the the ones i've seen anyway because they did yeah. that in guardians of the galaxy they did the mr blue sky intro mm. so i know it's still being done it happens very tv it happens <laughs> sometimes there's just no stopping it all right <laughs> so stop it. after this exciting <laughs> opening sequence we are now in the simulation fight room where uh wolverine and storm are leading the students in a simulation game well it's not clear at the when you first get there it kind of seems like they're mm -hmm. in the middle of an actual battle which if you, if you think about once you learn it's a simulation the way that wolverine's acting during this scene you're like that's not very badass once you know it's a simulation room <laughs> yeah and kelly can we please call it the danger room like it's sorry <laughs> it's very Jeez. cool and very not lame name <laughs> So yeah, they're I, in the danger room. Thank you. Uh, I love this because uh, this was like a little sneak peek. And I think it was it was meant to be hearkening mm. uh, back to this uh, specific period or, or like quick two, two issue story called Days of Future Past, which is like a famous X-Men story. It's an apocalyptic future where Sentinels like uh, mm -hmm. have destroyed almost every mutant. And there's only a few like X-Men holdouts left. Um, very dystopic and uh, would be later done in 2014 as the movie Days of Future Past, mm -hmm. uh, which I think actually is the movie that erases this movie out of existence from like the <laughs> timeline or whatever. But anyway, uh, it was a fun little quick little sneak peek at that, uh, or at least those aesthetics. And it's always fun to watch 
the characters use their powers and like cooperate and like team up on on the bad guys in this case big robots yeah you get to see yeah, his head come off uh wolverine chops it off i think storm throws wolverine up and uh, colossus throws him paul Colo- that why would i why would storm do that why would storm do that and also i was just about to say before you said that that it was foreshadowing the moves that they're going to use later this and then you true. had to throw in some weird <laughs> shit about storm <laughs> i had to make up storm throwing about that yeah you get to see colossus another <laughs> colossal disappointment <laughs> um is that we don't get to see any <laughs> much of him at all another just and also i i want to point out too is a i kind of knew nightcrawler wasn't going to return they was kind of set up at the end of x2 that he really wasn't going to fight at least mm-hmm. but this is where it was like all right so they're not going to have nightcrawler in this i nightcrawler's my favorite i think he's a lot of people's favorites it was really cool to see him in x2 and it's just sort of like he's not in this at all. I don't know yeah, if that I... had something to do with the actor, um, Alan Cumming. Alan Cumming. Um, I don't know. I know that there was a little bit of that. We'll talk about that later with another actor. Mm-hmm. But it's just he's just not in it. Not a single second of it. He was. Uh, I guess they were planning on having him in it, and then like it like was such a short amount of time for a cameo that it didn't work out. And I guess uh, the only thing that I read about uh, Alan Cummings himself was that he did not like being in the makeup that he was in for X2. I can imagine that would not be fun. Um, it would just be cool. I mean, like if even if you do like in a battle sequence or just have somebody made up like Nightcrawler. Well, like, didn't you didn't see him for like that. two seconds in a in a one scene? I don't know. I don't know. He was like crawling on the wall and then it like panned down. Mm, maybe. But. Yeah, I feel like I'm the only one that watched this movie. <laughs> I watched it. I How dare movies. you? Uh, Colossus, Colossus is my favorite, uh, and I was so happy to see him in X Men Two. Uh, he plays yeah. an insanely badass role in that movie, where everybody in that movie, like in the early scene where like these uh, special ops guys are coming in and shooting everybody with like trank darts, like everybody's getting got every last mm-hmm. one of them, except Colossus who uh, metals up and there's all those like trank darts, like, you know, bounce off of him. And then he like punches guys through walls. It rules. Uh, and then he like saves all the kids. In fact, he offers to Wolverine. He's like, Hey, I can help you like to fight the soldiers. And Wolverine just says, help them. Uh, meaning the little kids. So he, yeah. uh, he saves the, you know, in the story terms, it's called save the cat, but he saved the children and literally all of the children. And then in this movie, uh, he does Dick. Uh, which is unfortunate uh but yes he does get this cool moment early on uh where he and rogue share his metal powers uh to yeah uh, to block like incoming projectiles and then wolverine tells colossus to uh to throw him at the big the big robot Mm -hmm. also known as in the comics the fastball special and that's not storm that's Colossus. People Good get job, confused bud. a lot. <laughs> Just like the president and the scientists. It's yeah. it's all one thing, really. <laughs> and the mayor and beast, two distinctive characters. Right. I'm going to pretend that there was a mayor and you guys was just there? don't remember. <laughs> he was there. He was doing stuff. There I was mean, a mayor, you guys. But um, I'm going to an ad mayor to this. <laughs> we don't even have an actor, just the role, mayor. Yeah, mayor. <laughs> 
have him also played by Kelsey Grammer, just in a different suit. There you go. That works. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was wearing a different suit for that. That's why I don't remember. <laughs> Add it to my. You know what? I didn't know. I didn't notice until you did the voice for Wolverine. He didn't really do that voice in this one, did he? Not really. Wolverine was more just a guy, like hanging out. Yeah, Hugh Jackman's yeah. portrayal has always been interesting that way because, like, he number one, go back and watch that first movie. He's not that rips. Like, he's normal guy, strong. Uh, normal guy cut definition. Nowhere near as insanely ripped as he would get in the later movies. He just kind of looks like a normal guy wearing, like, uh, sweatpants and stuff around the X-Mansion. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, he kind of, he, he's got a bit more gravel, a bit more, like, taciturn, uh, affectation in the earliest movie but by by this movie he's fully like the leader of the x-men basically by the end of this movie so i think he they're they're making him a little bit more um you know boy scoutish no not maybe that's too much but like he's he's a bit more like crowd you know crowd pleasing good guy yeah mm. he's he's mm. a little more fatherly to the other uh x-men students mm-hmm. or yes. students they don't um, i don't know Okay, so moving on, um, at right after this, the simulation in the danger room, excuse me, um, <laughs> they leave and we are reintroduced to James Marsden's uh, Scott in the hallway. Um, this is the very, very brief moment that we get of Cyclops in this movie. And he is walking down the hallway. He's still mourning Gene. And uh, they have a little back and forth, him and Wolverine, where... Uh, he, he obviously has taken over the classes. Scott's not doing as much around the uh, Xavier school. And he he leaves that interaction with being like, not everyone heals as fast as you, Logan. And that's pretty much uh, his only like interaction, I think, in this whole movie. My I'll let you James. guys talk about. Yeah, go ahead. My sweet, sweet James, the best Cyclops <laughs> that ever was. It's the only Cyclops as far as I'm ever fucking concerned. And I know shade to anybody else who takes the role. There's that one kid uh, whose name I can't remember who plays like young Cyclops in the later movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, God bless, dude. Not your fault. You're just, you're not James Marsden in the late 90s, early aughts. God, there was none better regardless. He's still a, a king today. Uh, and it's just fun to see him do his deal as Cyclops. Like bringing charisma to a character who has none mm-hmm. is truly one of the greatest accomplishments of his acting career. Uh, I love everything about him in these, you know, first two movies. And then in this movie, uh, it sucks. Cause we don't get <laughs> to see him. Yeah. He's, he's so good at these. And I just want to say there's, there's been uh, anti Cyclops uh, talk on this podcast in the past. And I, I stand such- by it. And uh, but I think all of what you said is true because he gives this character. It's not that I don't like like his portrayal or anything. It's just that like you don't I never like that guy. And he does a good job playing it as someone who's just like, yeah, he's kind of a I don't know. He's he's kind of a douche, but he's also a, a good leader. And you kind of have to like him in the end. But he does it perfectly. He does a great job with that. But that's just the kind of character he is, in my opinion. Yeah, it, Cyclops is uh, fundam- fundamentally as a character. Cyclops is basically just a, uh, a, a at first level a talking you know puppet 
uh, mm -hmm. being tiered by Charles Xavier, right? Like he's there to basically try to convey whatever it is that Professor X would want in those moments. That's like his role as leader. You know, well, Professor X wouldn't want to do this or wouldn't want to do that. He would want to do blank. And like, nobody likes right. that. <laughs> um, beyond that, he's also like shown to be like this very stoic, almost emotionless type character. Yeah. Um, and then beyond that, like once you get into his deeper characterization you find out that he's like full of self-doubt he's full of yeah. you know he knows he's a fucking stick in the mud that nobody likes and but he knows he also has a, a role to play it's a very important role he's the first x-man um and then later on like gene kind of is but whatever like it goes back and forth point is uh he's the star pupil and nobody likes that guy uh but marsden brings that sort of like self-knowing like he he's self-aware uh, yeah, he understands what sucks about him. Um, yeah, doesn't try to subvert it, but he just kind of plays into it. Like all of his little, like very deadpan jokes that he delivers in the first couple of movies. You can't even really call them jokes. They're more just like acerbic, uh, you know, self-deprecating remarks. Like it's perfect. Like he just delivers it in the perfect way. And you never doubt for a second that he is like capable, strong, mm -hmm. like you know worthy of leading this team he's everything the character should be and they'll never find anybody who will do it better i guarantee it that's what makes it sad uh, how quickly they just kind of dismiss him as uh um one of their own in this in this movie in this movie i mean mm -hmm. um because it's just kind of like i know that they just got rid of him i think uh james marsden had like another commitment and then they were mad that he had to be out of the movie so they gave him like the least amount of screen time they could but like as the actual character, the way they just are just like, uh, yeah, Scott's changed. Like his girlfriend died. He's now really he's being changed. all weird about it. Yeah. Scott's really changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, as I said a second ago, known like, you know, in canon of the, the X-Men, you know, in, in comics across media, whatever, he is the first X-Man. He is the, you know, the guy who carries on Professor X's dream whenever Professor X isn't there, you know, to to fight for equality and for, unity with humanity like he's that guy um and then don't read anything that happened in the comics after like 2010 but whatever point is uh the, he's a he's a massive figure in in the the movie and uh comics media and then for the way for him to go out mm -hmm. he did is a massive fuck you definitely to james Morrison, but also like to yeah anybody to gives a shit you know yeah i mean they could have just had him do what rogue did in this movie and just leave for a while i think yeah come back and be like, hey guys sorry i missed the battle i'm back i didn't like this is the first time that i remember seeing this movie anyway so i did not think he was dead like I, we haven't gotten there yet but we're about to but it's like that's why i was like so confused i was like there's no way that like james marson's already out of this movie and then like they don't even get like they give everyone else a funeral they don't give james marson a funeral they're just kind of like well uh we yeah. think he's dead <laughs> We'll look into it later. Uh, oh, there is a gravestone for him. Perfect. I thought it'd be so funny. And I almost <laughs> thought it was going to happen. At the end of the movie, they show some some tombstones and I, they were panning across. And I was like, it'd be really funny if they just didn't have his. Like, <laughs> they did. But I just like, I almost thought they were just, just despite him a little bit more. It's like, he doesn't even get a tombstone. We didn't really <laughs> even acknowledge he, he died. He also Cyclops. This sorry, this is quick. I just wanted to say he's one. Of, he, nobody wants that power. That's got to be one of the worst powers to end up with. Like, 
it's just it would be hard to control how does he see do we know how he has to look through those like does he see kind of infrared or like what's his situation yeah he <laughs> he sees life through you know like kind of red tinted ruby quartz lenses mm. um and you know i i remember reading like editor letters to the editor when some guy was like hey if cyclops has got the uh red glasses on How's he supposed to know when to go with the stoplights? Because stoplights, <laughs> and the the editor had to be very gently like, um, the top light, yeah, <laughs> means stop. The middle light means slow, and the bottom light means go. So color isn't really the most important thing here. And all of us, all of us reading, were like, oh, yeah, I totally thought of that. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. Oh, I wasn't wondering the same thing. <laughs> Does he know yeah. where to go? That sounded like the Mr. Show founding father sketch. It's like, how are we supposed to carry it around? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so yes, he 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 does have um, you know, some additional challenges. But generally speaking, I mean, unless he's playing, you know, video games, which notoriously it can be difficult for people with color blindness, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it shouldn't be too bad. Yeah. I mean, nothing, yeah, he, he seems like he's doing all right. I just mean as far as things that you could have mutations there's obviously much worse things that people have to deal with in the x-men universe but i'm just like that one it just i feel like you'd always have a headache i don't know what it is but something about seeing cyclops and doing his thing is like i feel like you'd always have a headache I the most don't. interesting yeah the most interesting thing is like people who uh writers who have like tried to figure out what happens when he has nothing over his eyes yeah and the answer has been like has ranged from like very narrow straight beams that come out uh, and kind of obliterate whatever's in front of it mm -hmm. to people being like, uh, nope, it is a bright field of red blast, like covering literally like every inch in front of his body for miles until he shuts his eyes off. And it was like, God damn. <laughs> <laughs> Those are some powerful eyelids too. So. Yes. He's just destroying traffic lights as he drives, really. <laughs> Shooting so. down the traffic lights. <laughs> if I can't see them, nobody can. God damn it. <laughs> um, so after after Scott and um, Wolverine have their little moment, we are introduced to Beast for the first time in his mayor office wearing his mayor suit. Um I'm pretty sure that's where he is. He's meeting with the president and they are tracking Magneto is what's going on. And they are questioning Mystique all at the same time in this scene. So there's a lot going on. It's a lot for our mayor to handle. <laughs> one mayor. Yeah. I'm just one mayor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the, all the things I said about um, Marsden playing Cyclops. Go ahead and just assume that I believe the same thing about Kelsey Grammer playing Beast, but reduced by like. 15 to 17 percent like he did a great job no he he did a great job i know i'm I, agreeing with you it sounded like i wasn't but i was okay yeah yeah <laughs> he did a great job he is the uh platonic ideal especially at that time for who you would cast for the role of henry mccoy slash the beast like you want that guy mm -hmm. who sounds like that who mm -hmm. looks like that and has that kind of physical uh you know composition because kelsey Grammer is not like a small dude um so, you know, we've talked before, of course, about his uh, somewhat less than uh, ideal uh, political beliefs and whatnot. But he's also, I guess, not the worst guy in the world in terms of that, as far as these days goes. Uh, so whatever. Call it good. We're happy to yeah. see him. 
Yeah. And I, according it's... to uh, just real quick, Paul. Yeah. According to IMDb, um, this is the first role in like 10 years that Kelsey Grammer actually auditioned for because wow. he wanted it so bad because he thought he was the perfect beast. He, he was. This yeah. is one of those cases where I think that everyone in the world was like, you know, who would be a good beast. And that was the answer. It's, it's like, like what happened with it. Chapter two with Bill Hader. Everyone just said it. And then it's like, well, if it doesn't happen at this point, like no one was listening. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, Patrick Stewart playing professor X. Like, yeah, people have been wish casting that since the early nineties, uh, if not even earlier. Um, yeah. In the, this original trilogy you got to give it credit it delivered on a lot of like really great like just this is totally obviously the guy who should be doing this type casting and they nailed it i like nicholas holt by the way i think nicholas holt is a is a fine actor and i think his version of the beast is oh is perfectly good um it's just it's not sideshow bob so sorry (laughs) yeah uh, for a second, I was like, there's no way that guy was in this movie. Like, I was trying, like, <laughs> you said his name, and I was, like, trying to, like, scan all the characters being like, was he in this fucking movie? So, okay. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't seem like a beast. If if uh, All I know of Beast is Kelsey Grammer in this movie and nothing else, but. <laughs> he doesn't seem like Kelsey Grammer <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> I mean, that's that's it. You guys ever a, feel that way? <laughs> does a great job. That's what Beast does. And this is a pretty good scene, too. I didn't hate any of this. Um, yeah, we have Mystique being interrogated, and, and she's doing her Mystique things, and that's cool. Um, what else? I did he, like that that scene where she uh, turns into the interrogator guy and then beats the shit out of him. And because the president is just watching, and he's just kind of like, hmm. And then they <laughs> go back to what they're doing. And it's, it's just a very funny scene, because like, they do they don't care at all they're just kind of like that's about that's what happens during those meetings yeah, usually. That's what What's that? <laughs> now beast you were saying <laughs> i think the only thing that really merits uh pointing out about this scene right here is that like beast is the example of the oppressed uh person oppressed class mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who is trying to work from within to uh to, to fix the system or change the system right because he is the mutant liaison uh mutant relations liaison or something like that for the white house so uh that is a prominent position he very clearly takes it very seriously uh and he's overqualified for it um and he's trying to change from with you know change it from within and we're going to see whether or not like that actually has any possibility of working double is hard when you're trying to do it as well as your mayor do duties during that's right big cities like that uh, what city are they in? Are they in a fake city or are they in a real city? They're in San Francisco, right? Uh, a lot of the movie takes place in San Francisco. I think some yeah. of it takes place in New York City. But yeah, yeah, San Francisco. Okay. Yeah. I started you know, saying that and then I was like, there's a pretty big fucking bridge that is part of this movie. It is a golden uh, bridge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so does anybody, you have anything else to say about this scene? Let's just get to Cyclops getting killed off screen. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm mad about it. <laughs> well, before we get to that, we have <laughs> Professor X teaching a class on ethics, which uh, seems to be pretty big in the movie. So he's <laughs> telling them. <laughs> we can skip over that. <laughs> Sorry, I, was, I, was just, I was just reading my notes and uh, that's the next <laughs> note I have. 
<laughs> this movie is yeah i'm like it's all over the place. I'm like what am i talking about like yeah that, oh man yeah because right. there's like a very because when i was like writing these because what i usually do is just start the scene but usually there's so much more to scenes when this happens so mm-hmm. like i was like going through and i'm like okay now we're back with professor x and now we're back with beast and now we're back over here and then they're also short too so it's just like it's like bam 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 yes um but yeah uh we have the ethics class we have um storm being the new success of scott because um professor x does not think that scott is good anymore because he's sad (laughs) um too sad can't be cheered of his sadness Uh, what's the timeline here how long ago did gene pass away probably like last week and has anyone (laughs) talked to cyclops at all are they just letting him cry over it dude like come on they're just kind of like ugh, he's not being himself (laughs) we do learn that in but here before the scott stuff happens that did we talk about how they they have the um the cure or they have a way to suppress That's coming up pain? next. Okay. That's coming next. That's not okay. So right after they decide that uh, uh Professor X tells Storm that she's going to be the the next leader of the school, um Beast travels. I think he's always uh traveling by helicopter as I've seen in this movie which is exciting because everybody else seems to be driving but Beast damn it is a helicopter man and I I like that too big for um <laughs> what's that too big for his cars oh I thought you said he drove by car I'm like when <laughs> fucking tell me well, when actually he did, <laughs> <by car. laughs> he, he oh, did you his... not see the <laughs> during uh the epic speech you just see him in the background <laughs> driving in a car it was like was... see Tiny little circus cars he drives in. No, he's got like one of those like uh, Richard Scary like uh, Scary Town cars. Where the hell is it called? Busy Town or whatever. The giant apple he just drives around in. He would look so good in that. Uh, So that the that is when Beast comes in to the school to be like, "There's a a mutant cure," and um, Rogue is like, "Excuse me, there's a cure." So she's starting to get interested. And mm-hmm. so Beast comes to tell everybody, but then they also watch it on the news all together. So <laughs> Beast is only about three seconds ahead of the information coming out on, on the news. Quiet, the news is on. <laughs> <laughs> Enough about what I had to say. Let's have someone else say it a little different. Again, it just feels like there were two versions of the script. One where they saw it on the news and one where Beast came. And then they just <laughs> took both of them like... Throw it in there. It would have been funny if he just stopped. He's like, I'm, I'm here to tell you about. Oh, wait. They're telling you oh, on the news. Oh, man. I guess I didn't <laughs> need to come all the way here. Let me get back to my helicopter. <laughs> it just takes off again. <laughs> what were you going to say, Joe? Oh, I, I was going to say something, but then I stopped myself because I, I can't remember if maybe I'm wrong about it. But um, well, let's just, but just say this for story purposes. Beast looks the way he looks like blue uh, skin, like blue fur and blue hair um, because he tried to cure himself. Uh, oh. And his, his, he used to look like just basically a very stocky dude with like big feet and big hands um, and uh, played football in college. 
like he was a very successful or I guess played football in high school, whatever. He was a very successful young man in that regard. And then he, but he hated it. Like how like galutish he looked, try to cure himself and then turn himself blue and furry. So tell me what is his power? Is he just strong? He's very strong. He's very, uh, um, he's got heightened reflexes, heightened senses. He can smell and, and, uh, you know, track things well. Um, but that's basically it. Yeah. He's like, he's like strong and extremely, extremely coordinated, like hyper human agility and things like that. Huh, okay. Yeah. I was trying to figure that out. Cause I'm like, other than just being blue, like obviously he's strong, but I couldn't really figure out like what his whole deal was. <laughs> Yeah. And he also like, like when the thing is, is like the beast is so intelligent and he like really uh, prides himself on his, his presentation and, and being like a man of letters and all that. But like when he actually lets loose and starts fucking shit up, like he, he can do some serious damage. Like he's, he's one of the more like sneakily uh, dangerous X-Men. He just kind of doesn't let it out that frequently. It's funny, like I, I, I know we already agreed that he was perfect casting, but just thinking of Frasier being sneaky is funny. So just putting that together with Beast being like known for being sneaky, like I'm just thinking of <laughs> Frasier just like being stealthy, and it's just it's a funny image. Yeah, uh, yeah. Can, uh, do that thing where like you know, not crawl on the walls, but he can like you know jump up and grab onto like pipes on the ceiling and kind of like you know stealth his way into stuff. And then also in the cartoon is frequently like uh, reciting Shakespeare to himself for no reason. <laughs> anyway. Classic Kelsey. <laughs> um, so even like a weird, uh, there are a bunch of tiny scenes because I'm just remembering this too, that from the beast telling them about the cure, we bounce straight to the Magneto crowd. So that the I call them the mean X-Men. Um <laughs> So these are all like the um, people that are like mad about the cure Magneto. Magneto, I think, joins that group to be like to get them on his side, because I don't think that this is his group at the moment. But he like goes there and he like all these mutants are upset. There's one guy that's like trying to explain why the cure is good and like everyone's booing him. And then he meets, um, I don't know these characters names, so you guys are going to have to help me, but he meets the woman that has like the sense of knowing like how powerful X-Men are that she keeps using. And then uh, I think he meets, he might've already been with Pyro before, but I think he meets back up mm -hmm. with him. Um, so uh, let, uh, let me know what the other characters are. Cause I don't know their names if they didn't clearly say them. Yeah. Uh, so the, uh, Pyro is one of his guys who he, Pyro was a uh, at the X-Men school as a student. Um, I know um, that one. I know Pyro. Yes. I just, just for the, the listeners, perhaps. I see. Uh, okay. Well, I, I think I just said that because I was like, I don't know who these people are. Like, <laughs> Pyro is a man with fire. <laughs> Pyro does fire stuff. <laughs> Pyro has, has permanently switched sides. Uh, is now yeah. with Magneto's Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, or I guess they're just called yeah. Brotherhood of Mutants in this in this movie. Uh, and then the characters they meet here, it's kind of like a weird like uh, mutant cast off rave or something. All, but they're also like debating politics while they're there. Mm -hmm. uh, in any event, the 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 character who can sense like power levels and whatnot is a, a mutant tracker named Callisto. Callisto is. Uh, or I, I think that's correct. I don't know. It's tough because they keep mixing up powers and stuff. Okay. Um, they also keep switching sides uh, of like characters from 
the actual comics. Like for instance, yeah. we're going to see multiple man later. Multiple man is not a bad guy. Multiple man is a good guy, but in this movie, he's a bad guy. Um, Spike, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I, is that Spike who, who keeps like spiking well, out on his face and stuff? He must be. And it's like, he's fighting. Well, we'll get to that later too, but it's like, yeah, that's confusing as well. Yeah. it's. Weird. I found my favorite <laughs> mutant that I've ever seen in this crowd. And it's the guy that is a big guy. And but then when he sits down, he comes a small man. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big small man. Yeah. <laughs> they all well, thought he wasn't gonna fit, but he did because he's small. It's okay, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I just like I liked that scene a lot. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, some of what they used to do in these movies would be like very specific, very targeted um uh cameos of characters that were like meant to make you pretty excited to perhaps see them, you know, down the road or whatever. And this one is just like way more all over the map. They like we were just talking about a second ago, like the they're not very good about staying consistent with like comic canon or whatever. So it's harder to pick them out. So like whatever the gap, the, the person who looks sort of like, um, you, you know, you're not super able to tell like what gender they might be or whatever. Not that that's a big deal, obviously, but like it, I think it was very specific casting for that reason. Um, that is Arclight. Uh, the gal with like the the pink slash purple, you know, sh shock of hair is Psylocke. Again, Psylocke not a bad guy, but in this movie, Psylocke's a bad guy. Okay, um, I'm I'm waiting. I was waiting for names that I knew from Marvel Snap, so that's one of them. Yeah. So, uh, the guy that you were just saying might be Spike. Um, Paul, <clears throat> I'm seeing from IDB is supposed to be Kid Omega. So okay, that's Ken Leung. Ken Leung plays Kid Omega. I guess um, okay. Spike is in this movie later on though. Uh, maybe, maybe we're thinking of different guys. No, is I he think... the guy that is fighting Wolverine later yeah, and keeps he's... throwing shit? Oh, like he takes oh. the spikes out and is, okay. Yeah. Fighting Wolverine in the woods. That is Spike. Sorry. I was thinking of the guy who kept shooting spikes out of his skin. Like, out of Oh his... no. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. No. That makes more sense. Anyway. Yeah. We're seeing a bunch of different, people show up there's a there's another jubilee now uh who's not the same jubilee from the last movie i don't think um see i was looking at imdb when was jubilee in the movie because i don't even it, know like i, I don't yeah. know it must be in one of these scenes where it's just like it's random stuff but like you see her at the school in the previous i'm pretty sure next two she shows up like as like a yeah. side to the school okay and, and you would love to see jubilee show up as like a character that matters in this movie but obviously like we don't know who she is in this movie so she doesn't matter that much <laughs> there's no way that she mattered <laughs> i don't remember <laughs> her being in this movie unless it was like the same exact level that she was in x2 which is like she was a student right like yeah was... but like siren shows up in x2 like in a way that is very obviously yeah. siren, right yeah. and that ruled and apparently she's in this movie as well and i didn't i don't remember seeing her at no all no way I mean, yeah. she must have just it, it, been one of the ones that they pan over and like you see the power and like people that actually know are like, what the fuck? There they are. Yeah. And then the rest of us are just like, I don't know what's going on. Very disappointing. <laughs> um, So there's two more little scenes before we get to Scott in the Woods. I know you guys really, <laughs> really want to get to Scott in the Woods. I was um, just mad. But... I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, we do see Magneto goes to find Mystique, who is being held. So he finds out where she is, and he he goes to find her. And then we get Beast again, 
and Beast is going to look at the cure and he meets Jimmy, the 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 little boy that um has the power. I think they're getting the cure from him and somehow I don't know if they actually explain how they get it from him, but the kid's power is just to avoid the uh X-Men power. So essentially just get rid of their power. Now, Kelly, do you know who that is? No. That is Leech. Oh, really? Yeah, from the from Marvel Snap. He's huh. not a little green boy. Yep. Not green, but obviously in this movie, like again, like they're kind of messing up the signifiers to help you know that stuff. But yes, he's meant to to be Leech. Oh, that's funny. I guess I should have thought, like I should have gotten that, but I didn't. No, no, they don't do any work to let you know that. Like they, that's the thing about this movie. I'm telling you, this movie expects the viewer to do all the work. And it's like, bro, <laughs> you're not worth working that hard for. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I keep having coughing fits. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so we are now, Scott is in the woods. And prior to this, we kind of skip over this, but uh, um, before Scott goes to the woods, he keeps hearing Gene's voice yelling yeah. um, his name and he, he keeps saying, shut up, shut up. And then he's suddenly going to the woods. It's There's no explanation of why he's going to the woods. I don't know if something told him to go to that specific spot or what, but he, he goes there. Um, and this is where he uh, starts hearing Jean yell again. So he had already been hearing her uh, in his room by himself. And now he's out in the in uh, looking out into the water and he can hear her yelling. And suddenly he, he takes off his uh, his glasses and he does the laser beam right into the middle and creates this like vortex thing. And who pops out but Jean Grey? You guys right. can say stuff. That's right. Okay. Um, I'm sitting with it for a second. <laughs> yeah. It's a big I'm sorry. It just means a lot to me, Kelly, personally. Um, <laughs> Funka Jensen playing Jean Grey. Uh, go ahead. Put it up there with James Marsden playing Cyclops. Per like it, it turned out to be perfect casting. I would not have uh, bet on it before the movie was announced. I knew Funka Jensen from Goldeneye, and that was it. And it's not that I didn't think she was a great actor or anything like that. I just didn't really know who she was outside of that role. And then it turned out that she was like kind of the perfect Jean Grey. Like she has to have like this menace, but she also has to be like this very like uh, winsome and charismatic, like <laughs> desirable type person. Um, and she hits all of those like emotional, uh, you know, beats in, in all the movies that she did, including this one, which was not an easy role for her, I imagine, because it's like, poorly drawn she's got to carry a lot of the emotional weight of this movie while also serving as basically its villain a sympathetic villain um and that can be tough so here she is coming out it's her not quite her swan song in the the franchise but uh it was always good to see her even though she's about to do something completely unforgivable i wrote that she appeared like an evolved pokemon <laughs> Gene, yeah, because <laughs> Truly the blast of things. It was, it felt just like, I know you don't like Pokesnap, but in Pokesnap, you do like these weird things where you like throw shit at a certain part of the water and then something like pops out and changes. And it felt just like that. It's like the the guy who like whoever decided to do the scene was just kind of like, uh, you know, in Pokemon Snap, when you throw stuff in the water, sometimes different shit pops out. And then that's what they did with Jean Grey. It was just like, she's uh, a phoenix has arisen from... 
That's true. When you this knock is just Magikarp like focus into now. the into the whirlpool and then it comes out. Yes. Yeah. That's what she that's, did. That's exactly <laughs> what happened. You think they were playing the Pokesnap right snap together? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pokesnap rules. <laughs> yeah. Joe's just like, I hate Pokemon Snap so much, and I hate all you of know, you. I've never said that in my entire natural <laughs> life. <laughs> I kind of felt like you did it. He did. Like, no. no, I said we had Pokemon <laughs> Stadium and Pokemon Snap. My brother had them, and I just didn't play them because I was like in middle school or whatever by that point, like late middle school. That's all. I, I can dig. Cool. I'll dig this up. You've said it. Okay. <laughs> Shit, there's gonna be an edit where I'm gonna to be totally shown to be a liar here. <laughs> and I do like uh she pops out and he goes, I think he just goes, How? And then she goes, I don't know. And it's <laughs> over. Like that's that's the that's end of explanation. That's the end of uh, the whole movie looking into what happened. They're just kind of like, I don't know. Yeah, they don't Fair do, enough. They don't do any of the work. Uh not that you maybe you should, oh. but uh from the comics, like Jean dies, or she doesn't quite die. She's about to die. And an alien entity called the Phoenix uh, <clears throat> sees her in peril. And then like, essentially like becomes Jean, like impersonates Jean, becomes like a, a total copy of Jean, but it has this Phoenix power. And then Jean is put in um, suspended animation below the water, uh, only to be found years later after the Phoenix is dead. Uh, this is all just a bunch of bullshit that they came up with after the fact, because originally the idea was Gene was going to die. And then Marvel Comics editorial was like, you're going to bring her back, dickhead. Uh, <laughs> or we're firing you. So they had to make up some bullshit. But anyway, yeah, it's this is supposed to be some sort of alien force. But the way it works out in the movie is just that like Gene has sort of unlocked like the full zenith of her powers, which include mm -hmm. resurrection. Yeah, and then there's sort of she's on her powers kind of completely take her over so she doesn't really exist as Jean Grey when she's I guess the phoenix do they actually call her the phoenix in this or am I just thinking the end of X2 they do um because yeah it, Professor X once him and Wolverine are together uh he calls her the phoenix okay so yeah so she's kind of like she sort of loses consciousness this is her you know her other self all of her like you know desires and all that acting impulses kind of acting on their own then she becomes this other person i think is how they explained it in this movie and it doesn't like i think that she i think that she is jean gray at the beginning of this scene and then is she only phoenix when her eyes turn black is that the deal i think that's how we're the indication that she's not jean at that moment. okay so it's saying it's not her at all ever no, no, no. She she does come. I don't know. I don't know. She seems lucid at some points. Yeah, yeah. It, no, it, it, yeah, it's like he people will talk her out of it, and then she's like, "Oh man, it's her." It's on? yeah. The way that the movies have that this this is a culmination of the first two movies into the third, which is that Jean is this exceptionally powerful person, mm -hmm. but when her powers are are let go to their fullest extent, she starts to lose control of them and of herself. Mm. She starts to kind of like flirt with this, not, this isn't said explicitly, but essentially the idea is like, she's got this godlike ability and she starts kind of acting like a God on earth, like buying into her, uh, like having a delusion essentially. 
of, of who and what she is. Um, so in the first two movies, you see her, like her powers are very, very tamped down. Charles Xavier is doing everything he can to suppress her abilities so that this thing doesn't come to pass. And then as the movies go on, she sort of like, anytime she like really taps into them, like she'll have like this fainting fit where like she she has this thing come over her. And this now is her full culmination. These powers are like, yeah, it's Jean in there, but also like she's losing herself in in these abilities at their when they're at their full strength. Mm-hmm. So she is she is Jean Grey at the at the point where she she sees Scott come in there and then she's excited to see him. She tells him that he can take off his glasses and she wants to see his eyes because she can she's powerful enough to stop the beam is what she says. And so um, she stops the beam. They get their kiss. Um, this made me laugh so hard because they go from this kiss um, and I'll, I will go back, obviously, because um, there's a lot of other stuff that happens. But they go from the kiss to a Professor X just sitting there. And the way they cut it just makes it look like he was having this like weird Randy thought about these two characters instead of like what was actually going on. I, I it didn't look I think it looked like that Paul you said that you saw it too but it just looked really funny to me like it made me laugh so hard yeah, um but what? going back <laughs> um this is when Scott unfortunately she turns into the phoenix during the kiss and uh I don't know if she like just just like she he seems to be like turning into a corpse in front of her but I don't know what's going on I'd say probably her powers wrapped him in a cocoon of kinetic energy (laughs) that's what they said in the movie i wrote it down for some reason (laughs) my god paul that's brilliant thank you so there you go that's what's happening to and as he exits the picture i just want to say nobody looks uh out in the distance sort of pained but also with a little bit of hope in his eyes and says gene like uh james morrison does so thank you (laughs) this was bullshit this was such bullshit so (laughs) i I was waiting for you to continue i was like i feel like he's got more to say but we can move on all right yeah the comedic pause uh was obviously (laughs) great effect uh no i just look i've already like complained about it obviously i've been champing at the bit for 20 minutes to be mad about this but it sucks Killing a character off screen is, especially one that's important, uh, is such a massive fuck you to the audience. Like, um, it just conveys that this person does not matter and has not mattered, despite the fact he's been a a central point of the the first two movies. You know, a a, a massive force in carrying the the movies to this point. Um, And it's one of the reasons, like, people have complained about this. I'm not the only person who's complained about this. It just this was supposed to be the big and last quote unquote last, you know, movie of this, of this era of this franchise. And uh, it just felt like a little bit of fan service would have been nice. And we got like no fan service in this movie. Well, it's wild how bitter it was to the point where like, not only did they kill him off so quickly and give him so little to do, but they also just made none of the other characters give a shit about Scott dying. It's almost like he wasn't even part of like the group. It was like he wasn't even um, next in line like after Professor X, the way he treated it. He's just kind of like, ah, you may or may not be dead. We'll look into it later right now. We're dealing with this. So 
So sure. no one, no one looked into it. There was no funeral. We had to watch yeah. two funerals, but we didn't see Scott's funeral. Like, I don't know. It's bizarre. It's very crazy. Um, so from here, uh, Storm and Wolverine are sent out because Professor X, like I said, had the vision of, of Scott and Jean right before this happened. So he he was like, oh, fuck, like they're together somewhere out in the woods. And then he sends um, Wolverine and Storm out to check it out. And then they go out there and they find they find Gene there. But they also just find a bunch of floating rocks and uh, Scott's uh, glasses. So they're like, uh, something went down here or he just forgot his glasses. It's a very my girl moment. <laughs> he can't see without his glasses. Oh, no. Yes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the total lack of like intellectual curiosity of why Scott doesn't have his glasses to, <laughs> to fucking live is uh, so incredible. It just reminds me of Homer being like, probably misses his old glasses. Yeah. <laughs> he just got totally. new glasses and he just <laughs> threw his old ones away. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah dude. no, but that's why I like, I, no one gave a shit. Like, they're just kind of like, oh, well. Gene, you're here. Like, hey, Gene. <laughs> old news. <laughs> Should we yeah. take these back as evidence? Sure. I don't. But we're definitely not going to look around for him. There's no way he'd be here. <laughs> we're not oh, going to ask Gene what happened. Let's not do anything. Let's just leave. Yeah, I love Storm as the um, the leader of the X Men, like in the whatever in like the canon of the series like she is cyclops is equal in terms of her capabilities as a leader maybe even his you know superior uh and halle berry's character halle berry's you know portrayal of storm was never written sufficiently to give her like those high heights but this movie starts to start to you know hint at it um and uh, i gotta say uh she's not off to a hot start uh (laughs) In the leading capabilities department. <laughs> we're just gonna we're gonna take these glasses. We're gonna leave the dead Cyclops, who's clearly dead, at the bottom of a lake or whatever. And then uh let's just bring Jean home and see what happens. You know, maybe she'll incinerate somebody else. They it reminded me of that that John Mullaney joke where he was talking about old timey detectives, and he's like, There's a pool of blood over here, and he goes, Hmm, gross. Now back to my <laughs> hunch. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Storm also had to be told to use it. Wolverine's like, it's hard to see walking through here. And she's yeah. like, oh yeah, watch this. It's like that wasn't your first instinct. Like that's your wish. Power. There was something someone could do. That's the <laughs> yeah. That's that, she has Wolverine to be told pretty much every time because they have to tell her in the final scene too. Like, hey Storm, how about you make it so like they can't see what's going on? She goes, oh yeah, totally. Let's oh do shit, it. yeah. I guess I oh. could do that. You want me yeah. to not just stand here and look menacing? <laughs> it totally sucks. Like this movie, all throughout it, basically is like, it's like whispering to the audience, like, yeah, technically we know Storm is supposed to be like the biggest badass, but also like you like Wolverine, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Wolverine knows okay. all this shit. Don't tell her to do it. Yeah. That's how it work. She could totally do it, but she needs to be told to do it because she's a woman. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, so right after this, uh, Jean is back um, with her dual personality. In the uh, like Xavier made some kind of little uh, thing for her to like try to control whatever is in 
because he already knows about this. Like it looks, it sounded like she had maybe forgotten that she had the dual personality, but he already knew it and was trying to control it. So this comes to no surprise to Professor X here. He's just kind of like, yeah, I kind of thought that might happen. So weird. <laughs> right, guys? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Charlie is basically just doing that thing where like he does like the gym from the office, look into the camera. <laughs> Well, I guess we're dealing with this now. Uh, so from this scene, so that's basically just being like, okay, so Jean's back. She's um, back at the school. They're not really sure exactly what's going on. They're not sure what happened to Scott at this point, but they know something's wrong. Um, but she is, I, I don't think she's been awake since she's gotten back from there. So she's just kind of like laying there um, and they're trying to assess the situation. So from here, we go to the mutants that are protesting the cure outside. I wrote president's uh, house, but it might have been the scientist's house um, that made the cure and not the president, because that makes way more sense than the president. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, yeah, it did mean the scientist, because I said the president wants to give his son the cure. So the scientist wants to give his son the cure, which is Angel. And this is the scene, Paul, where he finally gets the majestic pose oh, because yeah. he fights off the care. Like, I guess originally he had said that he would take it. But then when they started to give it to him, he changed his mind and he broke free of the restraints. And he did his very, very majestic angel pose and then flew out of the room. It was beautiful. It also doesn't seem like it would take that much. Like when he started protesting, like all the other mutants, they shot it at him. And immediately it worked. Like, couldn't they have just like stuck him with it real quick? Like, well, they have like five people in there to administer this cure. It didn't seem like he was being forced to take it though. It sounded like he was like originally had agreed to take it. So well, I don't I think mean. they it's were just... trying. I don't think they were trying to force him to take it. It's just weird that they were approaching it. So like, I don't know. It was just strange. It's weird they... they put him in restraints. Yeah, I guess I don't really restraints. know. Yeah, and... I, yeah, I'm saying it's that's weird. And I'm sure they like there's a lot of stuff we didn't see. So who knows how much he's like, I don't want to do this, dad. He's like finally talks him into it. But the dad doesn't think maybe he's actually going to go through with it. But that's also given the movie any credit for not doing anything. So, yeah, we go in. Well, they do also do like the classic 90s football speech of I don't want your life. This isn't oh, what yeah. I want. It's what you want, dad. Okay. okay, uh, okay. We're going <laughs> to invoke that. We're going to say the words varsity blues because that's what that movie, that's the movie where it's from. And that movie. Okay. <laughs> um, James Vanderbeek, you are a king. <laughs> apologies. Apologies to the danger room. Apologies to varsity blues. <laughs> so from here, let's see. Oh, so from here is where Magneto actually finds Mystique, because I think he uses um, the the mutant that can sense uh, where other mutants are, told him that she could say exactly where Mystique was. So she takes him to Mystique's location, which is she's being transported at the moment. So she's got a bunch of police cars in front of her, and then she's being transported. So in true... Um, magneto dramatic fashion he just smashes the hell out of a bunch of all these police cars mm -hmm. and then um he frees mystique uh this scene gets pretty sad so i'm just gonna let us all talk through it because this is a bummer of a scene yeah 
this one sucks. Uh, I, I don't love it. Um, but I do think it set it sets up a narrative choice that they do later on that I also don't like, um, which I think probably is why it, it, it's, it's, it feels like a double down to me in a way that um, makes it tough. But yeah, so here comes Magneto with his new crew uh, and is, you know, ostensibly trying to rescue part of his old crew, trying to get Mystique back. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the Michigas, uh, a, a one of those uh, depowering darts finds its way, you know, aimed at Magneto and Mystique steps in front of it, takes it. and With Mystique, no hesitation, with no hesitation. It's, it's well established at this point in these movies that she is like, hugely loyal to him like you know just without any hesitation whatsoever like kelly was saying and then uh magneto has been up to this point uh very loyal to her or at least it's like elevated her to a position of importance within his organization she steps in takes the bullet gets depowered turns into regular old rebecca romaine oh that sucks uh <laughs> and then uh is you know is looking up at, at magneto and now her now human form and Magneto is like disgusted with her yeah. and her there. And he says she used to be so beautiful uh, as he walks away. It's very Yeah, cool he just, scene. he throws her immediately under. And then it's also right before this, is, it's established that like, that because they had this like fun, sassy duo in the first two. And like they, they were always fun on screen together. Like they um, could tear anybody down just with their words. It was beautiful. But then like um, they kind of like re put that together as soon as like he saves her. And then um, she like introduces him to the two new characters that she has in there with her, the juggernaut and um, multiple man. And they're like, oh, this crew is great. We're going to go out there. And then just like in two seconds, she saves him. He thanks her for saving him. And then just in a, just the most disgusted face mm-hmm. while she's in fetal position, just cowering naked, just leaves her to the wolves. Basically. It's just the fucking saddest thing. Like I, I felt like horrible watching that. And these are supposed to be the bad guys. I, yeah, I, this was a hard scene to watch. And it's like a scene that you, I feel like maybe in a, better x-men movie could have been interesting because we're you know throughout these three movies we're to under you know led to believe that magneto's like you know he's not he's against the x-men because he's like mutants overall like he's you know wants mutants to have all the power you know and that's his whole thing and to see a scene where then he's actually has to come face to face with a situation where it's like, here's somebody I really care about actually was doing this to protect me. And then, you know, took this bullet for me and now I'm just going to throw them away because they don't fit in with my ideology anymore. And it's like, I just feel like this movie again, didn't really do any work to make that as impactful as it could be, but it is interesting. And I think it's not consistent either. Cause as the movie goes on, He's very clearly upset about like other people like yeah. cha- like changing, and then like um, he does have a "what have I done" moment. But where is all that shit coming from when he just like so easily like there was no hesitation at this point. So it's like, why was that so easy? This this person that he did all this just to save, so he clearly lo- like loved this person. Like he, it wasn't just, it wasn't just someone on his team because if it was just someone on his team, he wouldn't go to these lengths to get her back every time, protect her. But then just 
it was just so quick. But then mm. later on, he has he has like dueling like feelings about stuff. Yeah. yeah so yeah. That three, one of the reasons why this movie does as an X-Men movie doesn't work so great is because it's a really, really poor uh, characterization of Magneto. Um, Magneto is supposed to be a guy who cares so deeply about mutant kind that he can coexist peacefully or more or less peacefully. He, he can allow to live a guy like Charles Xavier, who's like a former friend of his right. who has like a diametrically opposed ideology in terms of like how to deal with humans and how to like, you know, uh, promulgate the mutant cause, whether it's through force or through peace. Um, but he loves mutants so much that like all of them are his brothers and sisters and, and siblings, as far as he's concerned. Uh, this is supposed to drive home that since Mystique is no longer a mutant, she's not part of the, you know, she, she's just nothing to him anymore. She's a, a lower form of life. Uh, she is no longer a part of the calculus. Um, I understand why the movie does that. He's supposed to be an out and out villain in this movie, but Magneto works best when he is a mutant liberation uh, leader, a guy who is saying like, you know, you know, no, we're not going to sit around and let our people get brutalized by the cops, get brutalized by the military, get brutalized by, you know, um, the infrastructure of American life. Like we're going to fight back and we're going to demand our place at the table, um, which is frankly, you know, as time goes on, being seen as more and more the, like, the valid <laughs> way to approach it because this wait and see peaceful approach of like, we're just going to mind our manners and 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 vote as hard as we can and see what happens um, doesn't really have to seem to have had the same kind of uh, as quick of effect as you would like. So Magneto is an interesting character and frankly, in a lot of ways, a hero as, you know, displayed in other media and here he's just, this is just his moment to be like, oh, he's a piece of shit. Like, you know, uh, he's a bad guy. He's an out and out bad guy. Yeah. I guess and what was what like I, devil? Oh, God, huh? No, I was just going to say, I guess that's what I was saying. Like this movie in particular kind of shows him in that light and shows him as being mostly evil. And I do think it's, again, it's not a perfect one-to-one, -one, you know, comparison because there's a lot of, I don't know. There's a lot of other aspects to it that they're, I kind of think of it more. It's like the, the kind of flawed Zootopia thing where it's like, they're trying to get at the same idea, right? That there's this whole group of people that's, you know, being marginalized, being treated poorly because of this, but it's also like, they're also have those characters being carnivores. And, and I've never seen Zootopia, by the way, I've just heard somebody <laughs> explain this. So I'm sorry if this is not <laughs> the plot of the movie, but the idea is that it's like, it's not a great comparison because you're still saying, well, they are inherently violent and you know, like all this stuff, but like they still deserve to have It's like, no, that's not right. That's how start of still paying in, you know, playing into that idea that, you know, just that othering people and, you know, making them seem dangerous or, you know, making up statistics and, you know, obviously ignoring all of the real reasons for the injustice and imbalance and all this stuff. Like, it's just not a perfect, you know, one-to-one. -one. And I do agree. It's like Magneto usually is presented a lot better than this. And that's a lot clearer in other, uh, other movies and in the comics, but like how he's, presented in this movie and how he kind of deals with the brotherhood it felt to me like it's that's what the goal was 
or that's oh. how Zootopia was explained to me. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I've also didn't watch X three. I had somebody explain <laughs> it to me. So, <laughs> and it was me. So it's terrible. <laughs> but anyway. um, yeah, I I thought it was like double strange um, with the, with the this the way the um, Mystique's character gets left because almost immediately after that we see the the new crew. So the the Juggernaut and. Um, multiple man just saw this happen and yet they still trust magneto and it's like and then pyro's still kind of like we're we're a crew and i'm just mm -hmm. like did you not just see what fucking happened as soon as you get hit by a dart buddy you're gone you're out of the crew so i don't know i thought that was interesting that like no no other characters even had any like reaction to what happened yeah absolutely i did the <laughs> At least with like, I can understand like Juggernaut or uh, Madrox or, or Multiple Man. Uh, I guess if they're like, if if somebody's releasing you from your prison or whatever, then you're just like, yeah, okay, you're cool. not gonna I'll start go. shit. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with you. But yeah, like for <laughs> to be like so, uh, pie, you know, so like uh, you know, Pollyanna about what just happened. Like, you're you've been around for more than one movie, and like your character's not that stupid. So like, yeah up with you dude by the way is that the same actor from the other movies he yes. didn't look the same he, it is oh interesting okay yeah. cool he's only i don't think he's in the first i think he's just he's introduced in the second and then came through in the third as well but yeah that's aaron stanford okay he looked weird to me i don't know um so i have to skip down here okay so now we are back we are back at the school for gifted youngsters i got that one right um and wolverine is visiting jean in her little thing that uh professor x made her so she's lying in there he goes to touch her cheek and she reaches up and grabs his arm so and then she like comes back um i think i think that she's lucid when she comes back originally but i can't really tell um she kind of keeps going back and forth you kind of see her eyes being really funky during this um, she goes full black eyed children most of the time, but um, that's where we are. Yeah, it's it's a it, as they mentioned in the movie, it's a reversal of the first time that he showed up at the X Mansion. Wolverine did. Um, Gene was the medical officer on duty or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so she was tending to him. And uh, I think he popped his claws at her or whatever. Cause like, you know, when he gained consciousness, he didn't know where he was, who she was, whatever. Uh, and then she talked him down and they, of course, became fast friends slash Wolverine is in love with her. And, uh, <laughs> Jean Grey is turned on. She loves Cyclops, <laughs> but she kind of likes Wolverine. Anyway, Cyclops <laughs> is gone now, of course. So that's not a fucking problem anymore. <laughs> Back to getting hot and heavy. Uh, but yeah, obviously something's a little off with Jean and she does comment at like, Hey, you know, our, our positions are reversed and, uh, it's, uh, it, it's, a, it's a, it's a fun scene and it's, it's a good scene for like these two particular actors to play it off each other. I always like it when, uh, Hugh and Fomka are, are in a scene together. They seem like they have a lot of fun. I was going to let Paul jump in. Um, but yeah, the, um, so in this scene, 
they're they're having a pretty intense uh, makeout session, and um, at first Wolverine seems super into it, but then he realizes, like as he's going, that this is not Jean Grey. Um, so he, re I think that he sees her uh, eyes, or she says something. I'm not really sure exactly where he gets the feeling, but immediately after that, he's like, "This isn't you," and he he pushes her down and stops. Um, I'm not sure. I'm trying to remember what the actual end of the scene was, though. So someone else jump in. No, I'm, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I'm in the same boat because uh, I'll tell you what my consecutive notes are. I'm going to read them verbatim, all right? Uh, going back to when Colossus was first introduced in the movie. Uh, note says, Colossus is the best part of this movie. Next note. <laughs> Kelsey is the only choice for Beast. <laughs> Next note. Now it's time for Cyclops to get, get killed off screen. Uh, very clearly angry when I wrote it. And then my next note is, now it's time for, for Professor X to die on screen. Uh, also <laughs> mad about that. So I don't remember how this scene ended either. I just remember exactly what you said, which is that, you know, Logan and Jean are sharing this moment, but it's very clear to him that she's not the Jean he knew. So Yeah, they're, they're I'm in, trying to... Oh, God, Paul. They're in this room because... Professor X was like, don't do that, Wolverine, please. <laughs> and then Wolverine don't went and do did that. that. And what which proves he's a better leader than Storm because he'll just go in there and then he kind of provokes her a little bit. He does realize that yes, this isn't Gene, which I feel like could have been explained to him. And <laughs> he's like, Did you kill Scott? Oh yes. Scott. Right. Scott, yeah. Like kind of poking her a little bit. And she gets upset. And then, yeah, they, they make out. Um, I believe, yeah, they make out. And then they sort of, yeah, Wolverine backs off because he's like, this isn't Gene. And then there's this, yeah, then it's, he sort of starts prying there. She gets, seems to get upset. She sort of, um, I don't know what she says or does, but uh, she busts out. So she leave At this point, she uh, breaks out, you know, kind of overpowers Wolverine and then breaks out of this facility. Um, and then Storm and X come in and X is like, Wolverine, why did you do that? I told you not to do that. Now I told you. I said to you, I says. He did. He told him, like, I've seen before, like, don't do that, please. And I did have on the next page, um, Jean does become lucid briefly and she asks Wolverine to kill her. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yes, oh, yeah. a lot of things happening all at once. Professor X saying, I told you not to make her horny. And then <laughs> Wolverine, unfortunately, making her horny just by being there. But then she does break through long enough to ask to be killed, and then she escapes. And he's like, no. In the end, she leaves. Yeah. So there you go. Um. So from here, we go back to Magneto and the gang, and they're plotting. Um. I love this next part. I think, are we at Jean's house now or is there a scene in the middle? Um, This is right before Jean's house. So okay. we, we okay. briefly see Magneto and we see Mystique um, betray Magneto or she's not Mystique anymore. What's her real name? Raven? Raven, yeah. Um, so yeah, Raven betrays um, Magneto and she says, she tells the, the president exactly where they are or they think that she tells them exactly where they are um, the thing you so, can think it's just good for her like yeah 
Seriously. So you see on a map, you basically just see an area where there's like a bunch of mutants, like in one big area out in the woods. And they're like, we got them. And then they, they head out to the woods. Mm. And then this is now we're back at Jean goes back to her house and X and Magneto meet her there. But I think I didn't I don't think I wrote it down, but um, that, that right after that scene, I think they did find out immediately that it was just multiple man. Uh, multiplying right himself we go into this next part that yeah multiple man who we, was introduced he was in the same um being transported with mystique right yes. so he was broken out yeah. uh, juggernaut was broken out and then somebody else i think multiple man i said yeah multiple man and, and it was juggernaut. just those three was it okay um so multiple man then goes he multiplies several times apparently i mean i don't know how he's getting out of that situation i think he's just in jail now um because i don't think that's it for multiple man right well he, i mean is it is it illegal to be out multiplying in the woods like he can just be several people in the woods he didn't tell them that well, he was i Magneto. guess that's true what was his crime <laughs> yeah multiplied in the woods but then he's like you caught me so i think he just confessed to somebody um that's but, i mean okay Joe, you can be their lawyer. Tell him, tell him he didn't do anything wrong. Uh, He's like, so no. <laughs> Whatever he was being transported for in the first place, oh. I, I assume is probably what he's in trouble for. But here's the deal. Oh, that's true. When multiple man makes multiples of himself, they all are tethered to his original consciousness, but they can develop different personalities of their own or different tendencies of their own. So who's to say who did what multiple <laughs> man is standing trial for? His multiple man, when he goes back into himself, does he always go into the same body or can he pick a different one? And do they um, have a different consciousness? Uh, if, if somebody's a huge X Factor slash multiple man historian listening to this, they might kick my ass. But like, I believe the idea is, is that he calls them dupes, his duplicates. Uh, okay. The dupes get reabsorbed into him and he like retains their experiences and their memories, their knowledge, all that stuff. Um it, but it's it's the same Jamie Madrox. It's like the same one guy that they always go into. Okay. But he but could send. He could he send a duplicate <laughs> to jail and just keep living his life? He could. And if they he duplicated, would the other one have to go to jail too, or is that guy innocent? <laughs> <laughs> Legal field has not unfortunately evolved enough to this point where we've answered that question. But I'd love to. See answered definitively i want to see what all i want to see all the court cases that have been involved in the x-men universe there should be a movie that's just court cases and it's or it just be a tv show where i guess that's just uh harvey birdman i don't know it could be better different I, I, better than harvey birdman <laughs> <laughs> i just decided in that moment it's better <laughs> One of the reasons why I said earlier that multiple man should have movies of his own is because like some of the most fun and interesting comics that they've done in Marvel uh, deal with exactly what we're talking about right now is like the the, the uh, ramifications of what his powers actually mean uh, in a real life context. So like there's like, for instance, somebody did a really great uh, miniseries where he's a noir detective. And he uses his dupes to help him solve crimes. Mm. Uh, so yeah, like he he kind of transcends these different genres where like people have taken this 
ability and said like, well, what happened if, you know, in this context or in that context? And it's been a lot of fun to read. That is cool. I just want to see what the other X-Men are doing that aren't fighting. You know, there's a bunch, yeah, just any story of anybody that's. Uh, you mean like when they're just there. hanging out? But they're doing, so they're athletes, you know, they're uh, <laughs> other, other things that you can be. They're all in court every time. Though. I think about that every time there was this scene is coming up where we see that um, Magneto and the Brotherhood represent terrors <laughs> of the Brotherhood are they show up and they're kind of pitching themselves to Gene before uh, Professor X gets there. And I always think when these scenes happen, these scenes happen a lot in the X-Men that they're like recruiting them like for a, a football team or something. It's like there's got to be a bunch of mutants out there. You get them together, have a football team. You could have a whole story about that. That would be great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so Jean Grey goes back to her house. Um, and then I, I wrote right under this, there's a big-ass fight. So um, uh, that kind of skips over some stuff because uh, they kind of like go in there. It's kind of a... Um, going back to that very, very, very first scene where they're first meeting Jean for the first time. And in that scene, Magneto seems pretty uninterested in her. But then in this scene, you can tell that he's like, oh, fuck, she actually is powerful. And she's like, actually someone that I could actually like use on my side. So Magneto goes in there like, uh, I always knew you were like this and uh, we could use, we could use you on our team. And then uh, I feel like um, Charles thinks that he can reason with her. So he goes in there with that mindset. Um, and they tell all the other X-Men all like Magneto leaves his guys outside and uh, Wolverine and Storm wait outside. And they're all like, nobody goes in the house because they got this under control. So that's where we are right now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's like, bad. <laughs> I know. It is bad. This movie's so bad. You're sitting here <laughs> explaining stuff. And I'm just like, I don't know. Like a bunch of fucking stupid shit happens. I've got. And, I know. I feel like I'm notes. in the writer's room and nobody likes my ideas, is what it feels like. And I'm like, <laughs> I didn't whole... come up with them. <laughs> Just like. I, I already read like how few notes I like. I have more notes after Xavier dies, but like I have so few notes leading up to his death because like it's all bullshit. <laughs> like, I know. And it, it moves so fast. But that's well, like, it's, it's like, just. You stop and I'm like, what can I say about this scene? It's like, I know. there's nothing about it. It's just a bad scene. Like, there's some kind of interesting stuff, but it's a lot of just nothingness. It's just funny because y'all stop talking and I'm like, nobody likes your ideas. And I'm like, they're not your ideas. <laughs> you didn't write this. You're not pitching X3. I mean, nice. this is why these scenes, you know, the, the, the criticisms about this movie um are what they are and stick out the way they stick out is because like there is so little of merit that happens in between where like people are like oh yeah cyclops dies off screen and uh then they kill professor x for no reason like that's yeah. kind of like, just how the, the the first half of the movie gets summed up and i think it's for good reason they just haven't put that many things in between to justify deviating from you know or, or remembering anything else happening i think the scene between oh. uh gene and in Logan is good, but like 
that's it. It's like Kelly was saying a second ago, like it's all these like fast cuts in between like, okay, now we're back at the school for some reason for like an ethics talk that like doesn't really go anywhere. And uh, <laughs> yeah, he's okay, here to talk about the cure, even though they could just watch TV. Like, okay, cool, man. <laughs> I mean, that's it. And it's just like, it's hard to, I guess when I was watching it yesterday, I was like, okay, this is, this is fun. This will be fun to talk about, but it's really hard to go back. Cause it's like, it wasn't good. It was just kind of, it was like a popcorn movie. Level, it was just interesting you know? to watch it. It's, it's a, it felt like, I, especially I was talking to you while I was watching it, Paul. And I felt like we both kind of liked it. Okay. Like while we were watching, but yeah. it, it felt like you're watching a plane on a movie and like whatever, a movie on a plane is what I meant to say. Um, and it just feels, <laughs> you know, you're watching a plane on a movie. Um, <laughs> but in the, those movies always seem so much more exciting than any movie you're watching on the ground. And then, and then it's the same experience. Every time someone watches a movie on a plane, they always tell you about it. Like it's the best thing they've ever fucking seen yeah. in their entire life. I watched the interview on a plane, uh, not the interview, whatever the movie is, the intern with uh, um, Anne Hathaway. I told everybody about that movie. Like it was the, like a, an Oscar nominated film. That was the best movie ever. <laughs> and dad told us all about Mean Girls. Like it was the best movie he's yeah. ever seen in his life. Cause he watched it on a plane. Uh, it's just got that thing. And I think that's just the the vibe this whole movie has is a movie that you'd watch on a plane and then you tell people about and then they watch it and they're like, ooh, okay. <laughs> I guess it's for me, it's like a movie that when I get halfway through describing it to someone, I was like, you know, I watched a pretty fun movie last night. And then I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk about this movie. Like, <laughs> it's just like, oh, wait, it's just kind of a dumb movie. It's a movie that you can't really explain. You just have to see it because it's. And it just has to be on, you know, like you have to turn it on the TV. You're in a hotel, you're on a bus and you turn on the TV and there it is. Yeah. And you just watch it. And it's just like, oh, and sometimes those are good movies. movies. Like I watched all the mummies while I was in the hotel Yeah, and I had the best time of my life. So, but the mummy's actually a good movie, but I think the mummy's all right. Yeah. Yeah. But it felt it, it felt like 10 times more exciting watching it in a hotel because I literally could not leave. So I had nothing else to do. I'll so I was just like watching a hotel. It's they're better in a hotel. Like I watched yeah. the, uh, uh, some movie. It doesn't matter. The Meg. That actually wasn't even good in a hotel. <laughs> uh, I last watched The Mummy at the, in a hotel and it rocked. It's yeah. very, it's like, it, I was so excited that it was on. Like I turned on, like it was the first thing that popped up and I'm like, the fucking mummy's on? And then I watched all three of them in a row. Like I was so excited. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, well, you see what a great movie this is. <laughs> we, can't <even> <laughs> we can't even get through it. Should we just kind of <laughs> skim through and talk about things? I think so. Cause we've already been talking for two liked. hours. And it's like, we're not, we're barely into this because it's so hard to not get caught in its, in its crappy web. Yeah, we can just talk in general for the rest of it, if everybody's okay with that. Yeah, it sounds fine. Sweet. Um, so, yeah, so there's, there are a bunch of little things that happen, like, throughout this, because there's, like, this big fight, um, and, like, we, uh, this is when Jean Grey kind of goes, like, full, she starts to go full Phoenix, where you're just kind of like, we don't even fucking know what's going to go on with her for the rest of this movie because she doesn't seem to like um, she can't be reasoned with at this time. Cause like, like you guys said, she kills professor X in this scene. Mm -hmm. So he just explodes into a million pieces. And like, the, I I don't know if everyone had the same reaction, but I was like, can they do that? That guy can die. <laughs> like, that's how I felt watching it. I was like, that's not right. I was like, he's not dead. 
But he was fucking dead, you guys. He's dead. He died. Yeah. He fucking died. Uh, yeah. So the, the thing about that is like there's always a question about whether or not he is a powerful enough psionic to uh to like overcome an adversary who might try to destroy him with their powers by like taking their mind over and preventing them from doing it, right? But ethically, traditionally speaking, ethically, Charles would never do that. He is mm. he's a, a, a vowed pacifist. Um the and I'm I'm not doing this myself. I apologize ahead of time, but this is just how it's been presented in media over time. He is presented as like a Martin Luther King type figure mm-hmm. where it's about uh nonviolence, even though I can't believe you'd say that out of your own head and say this. Uh, I just uh I just want to point out that like Martin Luther King was also in his own time by you know the white people who did not like him were called him like a violent thug uh in his uh, right. rallies and whatnot were decried right. for for destruction and whatnot, whatever. And then uh Magneto is always you know has been traditionally compared to like a Malcolm X type figure. Um and I think this is supposed to be Charles's like, you know, pacifist, nonviolent thing where it's like, even right. if he could stop Gene from, from killing him, he wouldn't because he wouldn't violate somebody like that. Uh, and I guess, is that why he did that weird smile before he exploded where it's kind of like, I could have done something. And then <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it is meant, just, yeah, yeah it's meant to be comforting. You know, it's meant to be, or, you know, <laughs> like, you know, try to say like, you'll be okay. You know, follow, you know, continue with the dream. Uh, is that what you felt when you saw it? Because that's not what I felt. It's not what I felt because I saw his fucking face explode. <laughs> the fucking smithereens. This is a fucking disrespectful bullshit moment where they fucking kill one of the most important characters in the fucking whole <laughs> trilogy and also history of the fucking property for no fucking reason. Anyway. We opened. <laughs> <laughs> I thought like that's what he, that's what Obi-Wan does. <laughs> that smile yeah. that's what i thought of the smile he's like oh it's all yeah, i understand the little, like i'm gonna die now <laughs> and it'll be for you so you can learn a lesson is that obi-wan as fuzzy bear <laughs> no, that's what <laughs> sounds like that's i'm going on. to die now at least both obi-wan and fuzzy bear became one with the force so they can be <laughs> Yeah, there is no guidance from Xavier from here on out. He's just fucking dead. He died. <laughs> he died, and then he didn't. Yeah, he didn't come back, and like as a ghost. Or and this is what I was uh, alluding to earlier with Mystique. As soon as um Charles goes up and about to die, that's when Magneto's like, "Charles, no." Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, "Where the Kelly, fuck was that earlier?" Kelly, he was a mutant. She's not. I, a mutant. Uh, I understand that, but still. <laughs> no, that's how simplistic this bullshit is. That's why. <laughs> that's why it's hard to have that. Try to have any kind of conversation <laughs> about this movie because it just does a bad job with everything. As we, I wrote yeah. Magneto sad, and I drew a little frowny face here. <laughs> now I know, and then I also I wrote, "No one cared when Scott died, but go off." <laughs> <laughs> Very good point. Now I, I know that there is like. my next few notes like will span like 20 to 30 minutes of the movie but i seriously feel like nothing that yeah let's go for that time we're like so we'll see after this we'll see some really contrived rogue Iceman relationship fucking drama Mm -hmm. because Iceman is seen being nice to other people and rogue is like that 
piece of shit wants to fuck him. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's true. I think he might just be being nice. But uh, anyway, it's like really reinforcing her desire to lose her powers to be, you know, become quote unquote cured. Uh, I think part of the reason why this movie doesn't do so great is because that term is so loaded, uh, but they keep using it. But anyway, right. uh, but yeah. And then also beyond that, like seeing uh, Magneto, like really getting over his fucking skis, playing up Jean's Phoenix personality and uh, like trying to ingratiate himself to her, but also like being super arrogant to her and whatnot and being like, Ooh, who could possibly see this going wrong? The whole, uh, uh, going back just a second to the whole um, Bobby, Rogue, Kitty Pride thing. I thought it was funny because they that was obviously super forced the way they did that. Like at the funeral, they had it, they had him like holding both their hands and he just kind of, and then Rogue like looked over and she's like, what the fuck? But uh, you're right, like up until then, Rogue didn't really seem to have those problems with him. But I also thought it was really funny that people kept kind of like, she never mentioned that any of this was for Bobby. She just kind of seemed interested in the cure in general, to me anyway. Yeah. Um, but then like everyone seemed to be making it about Bobby when I didn't even think it had anything to do with him. Cause like, that's immediately what he says. Like, cause she goes, uh, I'm interested in the cure. And he goes, I've never tried to push you. And I'm like, I don't think that's what she was fucking saying at all. And then like mm. uh, right after that, or this in this scene, um wolverine's like you're not doing this for some boy are you and i'm like she just said she can't touch she can't handshake she can't do and then like all of right. a sudden it's like uh for some boy you're gonna take away like your power and i'm like she just fucking said it. like all these reasons and uh, yeah. her power seems like an awful one to have like she can't even hug anybody no so it's like you're, you're i think you're doing work for the movie because you're right like <laughs> uh it's a terrible power to have uh, and it would be understandable if somebody would be want to rid themselves of it. Um, but all this movie has done as sh is show her look really like pissed off and jealous whenever Bobby is talking to somebody. Like that's all they've shown. That's that's all true. But it just seems we. I, I don't know. I the the things that she says. But I do think it seemed forced when she suddenly said like because there is a scene where she goes, um, "I'm your girlfriend. I can't even touch you." And I'm like, that seemed out of place, like as a line. Like, it's I don't know. Simple. The whole thing was weird. No, it, it is. I think they do a terrible job in this movie. Like, because she's ha she has no screen time. Like, you spend no time with her in this movie. And she was like one of the central characters, if not the central character of the first X-Men movie. Uh, and then she's a very important part of the second one as well. Um, you would expect to have better payoff. But like a very big part of the rogue persona is like her first, uh, you know, her first boy that she ever kissed, she put into a coma. And then she's been scared of touching any of her love interests ever since, but she like desperately wants to. So like, it's always been part of her characterization, but this movie just boils that down to her being like looking at shadow cat and being like that bitch. Like that's all <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, like the whole, I, I, I don't know if they just thought that it would be more interesting if they had a love triangle and they just threw that in there. Cause the movie would have worked without it. Because, like, she could have had this whole realization without this whole Kitty Pride thing, like, being thrown in. But, like, they decided to do it this way for God knows what reason. I think maybe just to make it, like, give it a an extra love. Because they don't, I, I don't think they have any other love interests in this movie. Except for, like, the Jean Grey stuff. But that's, not, like, so far out that it doesn't really work either. I don't know. Yeah. No, they blew it. They blew it. 
Um, Paul was saying this earlier in the very beginning. Rogue should be the most interesting person. Since Cyclops is is dead for no reason, uh, Rogue should be the most interesting character in this movie because Rogue is the one who is, you know, dealing with arguably the best um, reason to possibly seek getting rid of, of this power that she has. And they just spend no time exploring that, justifying it, whatever. It just becomes like a cheap... Uh, and know. they... And they but, even like show her in the line, but don't show her like going to like, I don't know. They don't even like show her getting it. They just like have her disappear. And then she comes back. She goes cured. Yeah. And then I guess we learn later that the cure isn't even lasting. So like she's going to be back where she was anyway. And like didn't even get to be part of the storyline. Um, the other interesting thing that they did is they had this really they have this cool character in Phoenix where it's like this the brand new thing that they're doing with Jean Grey. And I think even on IMDb, like I know that she, the, the actress or actor was like upset about this in general, like what they did, because she was like really excited to play Phoenix and like when the first two came out. Mm-hmm. And then when she finally saw what they did with her, which with, what they did with her was just kind of had her stand there for a lot of the screen time. Like there's this whole scene where like Magneto's like out in the woods, like saying what, um like what his plans are for her she's just fucking standing there like looking off into the distance this whole time and then later there's this whole fight scene just standing in the distance like she doesn't do anything until the very end of the fight she and it's like fucking crazy what she does but until then she's literally standing there she does nothing oh we'll get to why all this sucks when we get to the <laughs> Yeah, agreed. They they give her nothing to do. It's it's fucking terrible. This is in the in the the lore of the X Men, whatever. Like this is the a moment where Jean Grey like ascends to like one of the most powerful people in the entire universe. Whereas previously she had been just like a, a very uh, you know reasonably powerful and respectable you know telekinetic and telepath. Like this is where she becomes like even more impressive than Charles Xavier. Uh, in terms of like power output and the way that they decide to show that is by her uh, scowling with black uh, eye, you know, pupils and standing there. So, yeah. That's, that's, that's just kind of like, what's so scary about that? What is she doing? Like, exactly. and she only does stuff when people say stuff to her. It's not like she's out there plant plotting. It's just kind of yeah. like it, she waits until someone gets in her face and then she does something like yeah, net, no, like she's, and she always just goes with whoever, like, she might as well not even be a, a powerful mutant. It's just like, Magneto wants me, I'm going to stand here. They want exactly. me over here, I'm going to stand there. She's like someone that like you get in your like group at work that doesn't know how to do anything, but they don't want to ask any questions. So they just stand off in the corner while you're doing all the work. And then you're like, could you set up something, please? And then they're like, okay, fine. Yeah, That's what she, she felt like. You can't do anything until Magneto's like, my dear how about getting off and the welcome and like that's <laughs> that that's it like she has to be like prompted every single fucking it's uh i'm sorry kelly you saw my letterboxd uh review of this which just said like genuinely fucking insulting and that's weird <laughs> i made i saw yours and then i wrote mine that's why i did what i did <laughs> <laughs> yours is good. I, like, I like yours <laughs> i think it said uh, great, i was hoping movie. they'd be read back to back yeah, great movie, five stars, kill off more characters. <laughs> more people dead, please. <laughs> um, uh, um, as we're going through, um, 
I did think that the uh, this is when Spike finally comes in because uh, he has his moment with Wolverine like out in the woods. God, that's a fucking irritating power, like for someone else to be fighting against. He just throws spikes like it's nobody's business while he's running. Like it would be a fun thing to like do. But then like as soon as Wolverine throws back one spike, he like is immediately down. It made me laugh so hard. Sorry. Like I loved Spike. I know you guys were talking about him earlier, but I thought his scene was great. No, it's good. Uh, Spike is an interesting character. I think, I think, I could be wrong about this. I think he only exists as part of um, a WB kids uh, animated show, which was the <laughs> X-Men Evolution. They had a character named Spike um, who is like an African-American kid uh, who had the ability to grow bones out of his skin that he would then like throw as Spike's. In the comics, there was a character named Marrow who could do that, who was a woman and a Morlock, which is you know a mutant living in the sewers, um, and so I th I think this is a direct reference to the Spike from the animated TV series, which is that would be kind of cool because I know a lot of people liked him in that and that show. But he's a he's a good guy, so yeah, he's a good guy in the show. Yeah, I don't know why they made him a bad guy. That was a weird choice. But he was throwing Watch those him. spikes like it was nobody's business. He's so doing a good job cool. throwing it. And he plays basketball. Uh, well, when I was watching that, I was like, if someone was throwing spikes at me like that, I would be so annoyed. Like You would be dead, I think. <laughs> I'd be dead, first of all. But it's just funny how just it was like not even scary. It was just fucking annoying. Like I was like, if I put myself in Wolverine's shoes, I'd be like, God yeah. damn it. <laughs> yeah, definitely not Wolverine power levels uh, for sure. Uh, or even like, you know, uh, in terms of like intimidation. Uh, I think this is around the scene that we're talking about, but there's a there's a, a brief aside where Pyro says some smart ass shit to Magneto about like, I wish I could have put Xavier in the ground or some shit like that. Oh, and yeah. Then, yeah. And then Magneto stops and says like, Charles, Xavier did more for mutants than you will ever do. <laughs> uh, which is like, at least, at least in this movie where Magneto is shown to be such a piece of shit like this is one nod to some character consistency where like yes like he cares about a, a past relationship not all of his past relationships but at least one that's the one thing they kept from the other movies is like he likes charles yeah like, exactly. they didn't let that go away but yeah the rest of it was just like this is not what this is not what we had before but not his deal whatever. not yeah. his thing is it just assumed that they like they had a previous like actual romantic relationship or is that just like fan fiction things? They they were not uh, intimate. They were best friends and they were like some of the earliest mutants to like realize who they were and try to find other mutants to mm -hmm. try to help them like, you know, learn how to deal with their situation. Um, okay. And I think they fell in love with the same woman at one point anyway. That's, but yes, I, I guarantee there have been like other like takes later on where it's like this this is a very obviously homoerotic relationship here. Yeah, I just remember that they they wanted like later those two actors like wanted a love scene at one point, but I don't remember what movie it was for or like what I don't know. I thought that they just thought it would be good. Am I yeah. making that up? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> for some reason, I just thought, we'll pay for it. Like, <laughs> 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 <laughs>
I like how written it comes to. Paul, yeah. Paul's reading of we'll pay for it goes <laughs> both for them and also us, the viewers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite things about this these movies, despite the aside from the fact that I'm a huge fan of the of the of the the franchise or whatever. Uh, is that Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen are like super best friends in real life. Like, I know it's corny. They've been doing it for like 10 years now or whatever, but like all their photos they put up on social media of them hanging out together is very cute. Yeah. Yeah, wasn't there like a big one where like one of them was a a, a Bronco fan and one of them was Seahawks and they like were wearing their jerseys? I thought that was cute. That's awesome. Very cute. So I guess I, I wrote in my notes later, but I could have sworn this happened way earlier in the movie, but uh, it doesn't happen until way later after the army decides to take on Magneto and they uh, swap out all their guns for plastic weapons and all that shit. That's when uh, uh, Mystique gives up Magneto and oh, yeah. uh, Multiple Man goes out there. So I don't know what the fuck I wrote down earlier was alluding to, but well, that doesn't happen until I think now. It, it's also... Yeah, because that, that was the same way because I was going through my notes and I was like, wait, I wrote that here. So that must have not happened yet. I wrote I wrote but... Mystique Betrayal earlier, but it was way after the scene with her. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I, I wonder what I what the fuck. So you had something, too. So it must have been something that we just can't remember. Yeah. And it's just like that's kind of this movie, too, where it's like it doesn't seem to really matter what order these scenes go in it really doesn't as long as they all end up in this giant fight scene at the end where Mm -hmm. i think towards the end i stop writing like what's going on and i just kind of like write uh random exclamation (laughs) points which is what happens at the end of all my notes it's just uh me writing something and writing an exclamation point after it Mm -hmm. um so but i guess we're in the big fight scene at the end so what's going down is that magneto is going to kill um they want to kill jimmy or leech as we we finally learned or i finally learned from you guys <laughs> um so they're trying to go get jimmy they do this whole fucking bridge scene bridge scenes were huge in the 2000s i feel like um final destination had one i know a few other movies have one that aren't on the tip of my tongue but like i feel like breaking bridges was just like such like a crazy like intense thing you could do or it's like this could destroy a bunch of people that like movies were like that that's like a cool looking scene so like they have this whole scene where magneto is moving uh the golden gate bridge over so that he can walk across to get to jimmy in in their uh, their island uh area there which is a pretty intense thing because i think that they could probably get over there uh a number of ways so the most dramatic way seems pretty well for Magneto there. I don't understand that. It was the like I yeah, it was totally for the spectacle of it to have him rip the bridge out and put it over to Alcatraz and like have it be I don't know, like and then have the X-Men later just land their jet on top of the building. Yeah. Like <laughs> Beast is like, did you guys know I had a helicopter? Because I've been pretty weird about my helicopter. Because all that really did was allow people to then be able, like the military to come in across the bridge. Like, yeah, they, if they just there and they drew all that attention to themselves. And like, I don't know if it was supposed to be for the spectacle of it or if they were trying to get, I don't know. It was just like, why, why do that whole thing? 
when you could not do that. Yeah, it was fucking nuts. But then he also got to say that line, Charles always wanted to build bridges. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I did this. Oh, (laughs) Oh, so fucking terrible. Oh, my God, it sucked so bad. My dead friend always said this one thing. Shut the fuck up. No. Um, what, what's the, what, what did the beast say was his big line? Cause I guess it was from the comics, but I didn't know that when he said it, it was something like stars and. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yes. That's one of his big, his big, uh, catchphrases. Oh, my stars and garters. That's a catchphrase. Uh, Like that's what, like he says that all the time. Yeah. It's a catchphrase. Like Marge has the catchphrase of, I don't think that's such a good idea. Which was the catchphrase for <laughs> three seasons. I think, though, it would have made sense if he was whimsical at all through the rest of the movie. I know, that's what was funny. And not just, like, purely business throughout the rest of it. And then he has this line that's like, yeah, it's cute, like, fan service <laughs> thing. But it's also like, well, that's not, why did he say it? it? Like, if you're unfamiliar with it, it's just, like, completely out of left field. Look, if you're not going to be able to hear him say, Niles, then you're going to hear him <laughs> my stars and garters all right (laughs) that's all i ask and i don't know who magneto called a traitor but i wrote in my notes magneto calling anyone a traitor is rich exclamation point (laughs) uh but i don't remember who he called a traitor (laughs) so uh moving on uh i also wrote kicked in the balls i think um wolverine kicked someone in the balls Um, oh is that how he finally got spike who did he get that way no, because that was on the island. Yeah, so... there's there's a guy, there's a character who like he would cut off their limbs and he. Would, oh like, yeah, and he grow them back. Uh... Yeah, time and time after time, and so he finally kicked him in the nads and was like, oh, "Grow right. those back." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> got him. Um, and this is also where they got the um. So Kitty Pride um, can uh, decides that sh- since she can go through walls. I-, I also, before we get to that, it was very funny that they just had all of the the good X Men just in a line, no matter what their power was to defend. Like Kitty Pride's this like she can run through walls and she's very teeny tiny, and she's standing there like with her arms out, like she's gonna like block somebody from coming through. So it's a good thing that uh, like she decided that like oh I'm gonna actually like, go get Jimmy. Like that's my thing. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's interesting because like from the uh, yeah if if you're familiar with her character at all from the years of of the comics and shit. Like she's a very good hand-to-hand combatant. Like she actually learns that from like Wolf. She's a understudy of Wolverine's. He's like a mentor to her, so she becomes like a very good hand-to-hand fighter. And then she also can use her phasing powers to like float on air. Like she can like rise in the air by floating ah. on air particles. And also like she's done kind of fucked up shit where like she'll put her hand in someone's chest and be like, "I'll solidify." And I'll lose my hand, but you're gonna like die because <laughs> I'm grabbing your heart. Yeah, like she's like fucking intense. Um, but of course, none of that's been set up in this movie. So all you see is like this five foot nothing uh, that can't be more than like 18 years old for real. Like I, I I don't know how old Elliot was at this time, but like looks super young, not intimidating, standing next to like Wolverine, Colossus, a guy made out of metal. So yeah. On, so- yeah. It's a very funny image because, yeah, they're all standing there like, yeah, just try to get through here. 
Yeah, they don't. They're just kind of like, if this was a Red Rover situation, we're going to go through the Kitty Pride. <laughs> we're coming area. right over. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very weird situation because, like, they did a good job, I think, in the early movies, like, starting to set up some of the more, like, interesting combatant style uh, X-Men and also, like, developing how some of them could become more interesting that way. Like, Iceman starts out as being like, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna chill your beer for you, Wolverine. But, like... <laughs> full extent of Iceman's powers are actually like insanely uh terrifying to think about like he he's a, an insanely powerful mutant uh at his zenith yeah I, they they kind of showed that like when when he started fighting pyro like when he finally like turned all ice I was like oh yeah fuck it up like that's more intense than I thought you could even do like turning yeah, like, solid ice right like Jean Grey holding back if, at the end of the second movie Jean Grey holding back the dam so that the the Blackbird jet could take off and get out and save everybody else. Like that's considered a huge heroic moment for her. Uh, Iceman at like the reasonable extent of his powers could essentially stop all that water. Like just freeze it. Like, like no worries about that dam holding the dam. You can just freeze the water at a thought. Like he can freeze uh, moisture in the air. Uh, he's a very, very formidable combatant. But for this movie, you know, they've, they've got to raise the stakes a little bit. So it, it really is just like four or five effective X-Men against this entire army. Mm -hmm. Beast being uh, one of them jumps into the arena from like 35,000 feet out. Just one pose, jumps the most insane distance and then starts beating guys up. <laughs> I also want to say really quick that Juggernaut looks awful in this this fucking movie. He looks really bad. That helmet looks stupid. The costume is stupid. Uh, Vinny Jones, I like as an actor, but is I don't know if he's the wrong guy for this part. But it's like this. He's not. He's not scary at all. Like he's just played purely for comedy. So like, there's never a moment where I'm worried. Like the Juggernaut is going to get the upper hand on literally anyone. Anyway, is he supposed to be scary? Like like as an actual character, he's not supposed yeah. to be comedic. Yeah, like uh, in like in the the comics and shit, like he he's like a, a massive, massive figure. Like we're talking like eight feet tall, seven oh. feet wide, uh, and literally unstoppable. Like the every every appearance he has, it's just figuring out some way to get his helmet off so that they can like Gene can like hit him in the brain with a uh, okay. Because yeah. I was wondering about that too. Because yeah, it did seem like they were confused about what he was supposed to be. Because like I feel like. Because the scene right after this is uh, Kitty goes to try to save um, Jimmy before the juggernaut gets in there. And he gets to say his iconic line, the I'm the juggernaut, bitch, which, Paul, you said people went wild in the theater for that, right? No, they were like, oh. Because, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> I mean, that, I, I remember hearing people talk about it. They're like, oh, he's in this. I bet they're going to do that. And like it was just a thing that everybody was just kind of sure was gonna happen. Oh, and it was like, uh, yeah. Oh, they have, they actually did it. See, I was excited because I I think I've only ever seen uh, heard people say that. So as soon as he said it, I was like, "Is that what this is from?" I was like, "But this movie doesn't seem like iconic enough for that to happen." Like, I think I texted both of you because I was like, "Is that what this is from?" Um, because like it, I, it happened, and I'm like, "There's no way that this movie came out and everyone was like quoting that line immediately from it." Like, 
it didn't seem to have that kind of staying power. So I was really confused. Um, so yeah, I was like immediately like, is this where that fucking from? Like, this is crazy. But it wasn't, you guys. It wasn't, no. <laughs> <laughs> I liked him in this movie. I do agree that he could have been more imposing and but i thought it was fun like especially for how dumb the rest of this movie was like i wasn't really expecting much and it's just kind of like yeah i yeah i thought he did a good job yeah it gets to be a fun scene where like he's crashing through walls and shadow cats phasing through walls and outsmarts juggernaut to like get to leech and help him and uh yeah like it's they're two secondary characters that got to square off and like cancel each other yeah. out or whatever. And it's, it serves its purpose. I do like that his, his like downfall was just running into a wall. Like after he made that whole speech about how like you can't get away from me, like I'm fucking smashing through walls and he just runs into a wall and he's out and you never see him again. So it's well, just kind of uh, like, uh, yeah. his power that's why I, his powers were gone. Oh, fuck. I didn't even notice that. I was just, I didn't even, I thought cause he didn't have powers. I thought he just wore that suit. Well, I think in the, in the, in this universe, in these movies, yeah. we're supposed okay. to believe that. He's not a mutant in, uh, in usual media, but in this movie he is. Um, That's why I was confused. Okay. I didn't realize that his powers were taken away. I was just like, what the fuck are they, like, why were they keeping him in like a stone wall? Like such a crazy walled in area. Okay. Never uh, mind. That part, that part was fun. Like uh, this, this big set piece. I want to say in general, like, this whole like San Francisco fight, like in a rock quarry, uh, kind of sucks. Um, but that part was fun. Like you know the the, the diversion of Shadowcat and Juggernaut, and then I also really enjoyed Kelsey Grammer, um, beating up guys trying to talk to Logan and saying, "There must come a time when all men must." Oh, you get the point. As he's like. <laughs> I think that must have been when I wrote this because I said Beast is so Frasier. That must have been the (laughs) line because that feels very much like you would say that to Niles. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Wolverine is the Niles of this universe. (laughs) Think about it. He's got an ex-wife that that everybody else is worried about. Mariko Yoshida, who is a Japanese crime lord. Okay, I'm done. Sorry, let's go. (laughs) Uh, so uh, so while this is going on too, there's kind of a sad scene where um, they're going through the building, the the spiky face guy and uh, two other people who are unclear to me who they even are. Um, but they're going through and they, they get the scientist or as I wrote in my notes, the president, but it's not the president. Um, the, <laughs> the, the two scientists, um, angel's dad and the woman and i it's really sad when they kill the woman scientist because like he does that whole like oh you're fine you're gonna be cool and then he like spikes her through like her whole body like what the fuck that's an awful death for just a minor character who's just worried about another character like it's just like what why the hell did they do that uh, um yeah, they did that because that is dr kavita rao from uh the comics or whatever and like she's kind of a monster oh they didn't make her seem like a monster in the movie. Nope. Movie fucked up a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, that, they just made that pretty cruel scene. Like, they did not give any context to what was going on or why anybody would be particularly upset with her. It was just, she was, you know, 
in distress calling for this other person and then she dies yeah i was just like it's woman scientists no yeah really (laughs) like that's all it is i think maybe we see her one other time in this movie yeah uh but i do uh, um they they take the this other guy up to the roof and i do like the heroic little moment where angel suddenly saves his dad and just a flyby um it comes out of nowhere it makes no sense i don't know why it happened but i was like oh like they're bonding it's like varsity blues all over again where he finally gets with his dad (laughs) he's like we can work this out dad right joe with varsity blues that just happens in the movie kelly hell yes (laughs) um I think the next big scene after this is uh, Magneto finally gets hit by one of the depowered darts. Oh yeah, it's uh, fucked up. Right? And like it's fucked up, and also like again, uh, we talked about this in the very beginning of the of the the podcast. But like, if you think too hard about the metaphor, it makes this so much fucking worse. Like you're taking one of the preeminent um, activists in the in the interest of his people, in the interest of his minority group. And taking away what you know the thing that makes him a part of that group, like there's something so weird about the messaging of that. And again, I just really wish this movie had spent no time at all, like contemplating any of these issues. If you're going to do shit like this, because it's just yeah, I guess really fucking weird. I mean, that's what I was. Yeah, it's just that's what's frustrating. Even trying to say anything about this or try to come up with any parallels or or say anything mean meaningful because they just mess everything up so badly that it doesn't make any sense. And this does seem, you don't know how you're really supposed to feel. I'm glad that like you mentioned before Kelly, that scene at the end where we can see that he kind of has his powers back. It's like, I almost feel like that was necessary just to make it not feel so cruel. Like it's just, I don't know. I don't know how it's, it's hard to see a big character like that that has like so many like um like you guys said like the the values of the mutants like that's his whole identity i don't it's so hard to see someone someone just like turn into nothing after that because to him he is nothing because obviously look how he treated mystique after she turned human so that's how he feels about himself now and it's so hard to see like a character like that that is just like so into their identity so into like pushing this um for for all the other mutants just be turned into exactly what he saw like saw himself as mystique basically you know yeah i don't know if i said that correctly but no that's exactly right it's a callback (laughs) that moment there's also a moment that we we didn't talk about uh necessarily but like at the very beginning of the san francisco rock quarry fight he sends hundreds of mutants out to the front lines to rush Mm -hmm. the soldiers who shoot them all with a depower dart and hundreds of them in a moment all get depowered and become human. Yeah. And he, he watches this happen and he's just like, yeah, that's why we send in like, you know, the, the fodder first, you know, now, now the real yeah. soldiers go in there. So again, oh, yeah, he calls them like pawns or something. It, it right. seemed really fucked up, especially how he uh, valued mutants. How just like, he was like just having them go in and be killed or demutinized. Right. And it's not until this moment, I believe, where he finally like has the realization of how terrible that really is. And like, you know, what a 
how cruel he was being to these people before. I think is is now when he says, "What have I done?" or was it or was it? I think early? it's right when um, the phoenix starts to do her crazy shit. Okay, um, that's when he was like, "What have I done?" Because like carried that- off, he's depowered, and like now he has empathy. Whereas like again, Magneto in his best example is somebody who is militant and somebody who is arrogant, but somebody who ultimately has like empathy and understanding uh and simply just like will do nothing less than than uh accept full equality if not even superiority but he's never like lacked for his felt you know can care for his fellow uh brothers in arms you know and uh siblings in arms i should say whatever anyway like this 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 movie's whole arc where he's like i don't care unless you're a mutant like fuck off like that's not who Cares if you fight on the side of his cause and pretty much nothing else. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, and again, yeah, that's it's, yeah. I don't know. It's just hard because it's it's a it's a bad movie. It's a bad wrapping up these three movies. It's okay if you ignore everything about the X Men otherwise and just kind of watch it for a thing to watch, but. Yeah, that was that was cruel. Him sending in saying like, "Oh, send the pawns first and having them all run in and fighting for him and and getting like he knew that something was going to happen. I don't think he knew necessarily they're going to shoot him with because I think he tries at this point. He tries to, you know, he says like humans and their guns and he tries to throw them in the air, but they're all plastic. So he can't do that anymore. So then he's just like, oh, well, I guess they're all powerless now and useless to me. So I don't know. Yeah, it's just like that's not it's crazy how evil they made him and just how cruel all of that was. And then just to kind of see him powerless and does he, okay. Yeah. Um, go ahead with the story. Cause I kind of am getting mixed up where what's happened so far too. So the story's kind of wrapping up at this point, this is going to be the, um, the part where Phoenix, like actually, I, I don't remember what turns her like on, like she there's like a moment i think someone either yells at her or does something but she she's literally standing there this entire fight until something happens and then she just goes monster mode and just starts disintegrating people right and left so she's like going after soldiers she's going after mutants she doesn't give a shit she's going after everybody and like she has the big showdown with um wolverine which is very funny because it's literally he just walks up to her and stabs her so like that's that's the the big finale is like I feel like they could have been a little more intense with it like I know they they did like the whole like uh he's like slowly walking up she's trying to disintegrate him but he keeps healing himself um and like as he's going it's kind of a cool shot because you like start to see like the the metal bones like while he's walking and it's kind of cool but like they don't really have like a, a finale moment like he he does like the whole like I love you thing but there's there doesn't seem to be like a moment where he like almost doesn't do it or like tries to find another way. He just fucking stabs her. And then mm-hmm. like she turn like you realize that she turns into Jean like right before that gives a like look of relief and then dies. But it's just like I, I feel like it just was so anticlimactic with all the shit that she was doing. Like I feel like I don't I don't know what I would have done, but it's like that it just didn't work. Yeah, here's why. It super sucks. Uh, I, I actually, I like the thing where she's like um, completely lost in her own powers and like disintegrating everybody. And here comes Logan, the only guy who could possibly 
confront her because he has the healing factor and he's able to like heal himself a bit as as he you know walks ever closer in to you know see her eye to eye they have this existing relationship with each other they have this attraction to each other all that shit works for me uh what doesn't work is when uh like she comes to her senses and then says to him save me and <laughs> stabs her in the gut fuck you like honestly <laughs> fuck you uh there are a billion different ways you can do this where Jean Grey is not a damsel in distress who needs fucking Wolverine to like save her by cutting <laughs> her. Like we we can she's she should be better than that as a character. She should be written better than that as a character. But instead, it's all in service of you know Hugh Jackman getting to be uh, you know Wolverine's character getting to be uh, the the huge protagonist of these three movies and and literally nothing can happen without his say so storm can't be a good leader gene can't sacrifice herself nobody can do anything unless wolverine says it's okay you're uh, right it would have been better if she like became lucid and got a chance to sacrifice herself but she didn't get that chance like yeah like even if it was something where like logan gets even if it was logan who got her to get that lucidity you know, and, and she and then she took that moment to capitalize. Like that would have worked so much better than uh, her begging him to like be the one who like takes her agency away. You know uh, what she sh like? What could have been cool is if she found a way to stab herself with his claw. Yes, that would also work. That fucking that would have been fucking cool because she can she can move objects with her mind, so she can move yes. his arm. That yes. would have been fucking cool. You could also, for, even if he like refused to pop his claws, she could pop his claws against his will and then hit herself with them. Like, yeah, that is so much better of an ending, Kelly. You just, you like, you nailed it in one. Uh, I'm putting myself back in the writer's room. I'm not going to take <laughs> any more of this shit. But the thing that you can't improve on is after Wolverine kills her and she's dead, Hugh Jackman then picks up her body and then yells, no, <laughs> into the sky. Like that, <laughs> this is what happens that ha in every movie that's good, that's gonna happen. We all know that. Um, and we also, so like this big whole showdown went down, and like, the, and then the movie just kind of like ends with that. It's just kind of like, well, that's over, moving on. Like, we don't really. Uh, as far as I know, I didn't write it in my notes and I don't remember. So if I'm skipping over something, let me know. But we don't really get um, an ending with Jimmy, do we? Nope. It's just kind of like, uh, he might be safe. Uh, he might have made the cure. I don't know. Because the next note that I have is just Bobby and Rogue can touch again. Yeah, like, the, the that's last... literally the next thing that happens. Yeah, the last scenes of the movie are Rogue being like, I'm not sick anymore. And Bobby being like, okay, I guess that's pretty cool. And then there's an aerial, <laughs> an aerial pullout shot of Wolverine like walking out onto a balcony oh, yeah. over the mansion being like, well, I guess that wasn't an adventure, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It reminded me, I, I have in my notes that it reminded me of the pterodactyls flying overhead from uh, Jurassic Park 3. <laughs> uh, where I swear in the movie theater I saw, like, I'm talking about Jurassic Park now, the third one it's either a second or a third one it, it ends with these pterodactyls like flying over the scene and like one kind of looks back at the camera and i thought for one awful second it was going to give like a thumbs up with one <laughs> of the oh, man. um but yeah so we got that with wolverine and then we get one last shot of the worst x-man 
Angel, and the movie's over. Wait, we missed uh, Magneto in the park. Oh, that's that's a yeah. That's like oh, is that after like, the credits? No, or like it's it. Yeah, sorry. I, I I maybe it's like after it's after Angel gets shown, and then he like flies up toward the camera or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Angel flies around. And there's like a bunch of kids in the park that are like, whoa, like I wish I was a mutant because of what Angel could do, fly around. Um, and then, then it pans over to Magneto in the park. And That's then right. we realize that he can sort of move one of the pieces. So his power is coming back. He's getting his power back slowly but surely, just in slowly case there's the next minute. Four. <laughs> <laughs> That's Good like luck, you guys. So, this it's is funny nice. how into this movie we were yesterday. Like, I um, not into it, but we were like, oh, it's not the worst it's movie I've bad. ever seen. And it's then you sit with it just for yeah. a little bit, and you're like, oh fuck, it's not that great. That's it. It just it sneaks up on you. You slowly are like, huh. I did that. Yeah, I watched this movie, The Peanut Butter Falcon. I was like, that was a really touching movie. And then I thought about it for two seconds. I'm like, wait a minute. This movie's not good at all. <laughs> and like, that's exactly what the, it's just like, oh, it was, I guess it was just like, I remember it being the stupidest movie ever. And it wasn't as bad as I thought. But that's the best thing I can say about it. Yeah, I gave it one star after watching it last night. I, like I said, I rated it on Letterboxd, gave it one star. And still, as I was doing that, I was like, but I, I do receive it better than I did when I watched it for the first time. So, yeah, I'd say that as well. I think it's it's slightly better and it's good if you don't watch the other two movies. I was uh, <laughs> rogue. I really like rogue in the first two movies and I hated that just like a bunch of other characters in this movie. It was just like she had her two scenes. She left. <laughs> And then she came back at the end. She's like, I'm back. And like, we could have had a whole thing with her struggling to, you know, if the cure was the right decision or, you know, kind of make a, a case for something or try to make some use of that whole situation. Instead, it's just like, she's gone. She's back. And <laughs> like, didn't do anything after being, you know, like joe said like either the central character or, or at least a huge part of these the first two movies yeah um this movie you know it was poorly received by at least by the fan base or whatever um and uh like i said earlier it got erased from existence on the timeline by the next major movie that followed like in this canon or whatever with the days of future past now i'd love to be able to say viewer just go watch days of future past but like it it's a good movie and it's a well-made movie it's also a huge fucking bummer uh <laughs> even more so than this movie in a lot of ways lots of characters dying like i don't know man like i'm just not like a huge fan of like seeing um hero characters just like getting completely turned into chumps left and right um but it is a much better made movie and i do like the way that they brought back kelsey Grammer for that movie they brought back james marsden they brought back famke jensen like uh it made everything right at the yeah. very end like in a very deliberate manner and i thought that was a pretty cool piece of uh piece of business right there yeah um, the good thing about x3 is that it doesn't exist anymore <laughs> <laughs> 
Was this the first of um, these X-Men that Kelsey Grammer was in? Yes. He wasn't in. Okay. I, I thought so, but I didn't want to be too sure. I so I think movie. what this movie did do was bring in Beast. I thought he did a great job. <laughs> I love that character. Yeah, it was great. I think he's only been in the two movies. I think he's only been in this and uh, or uh, Kelsey Grammer specifically in this and then Days of Future Past. Um, but also like Nicholas Holt took over the character, as I mentioned earlier, as the younger version. But it's it's been great having Beast in the movies. Yeah. I can't see. I got to see what he does with that character because I can't see that at all. Because I just think of him. I guess I, I first think of him as the about a boy kid. And then now I currently think of him as the the menu, that movie. Yeah. Um, so I can't see him as Beast. Like, I guess I just liked how Kelsey Grammer was just so calm and like a, a very Frasier like. And then I don't see I, I guess I I unless I'm just not seeing the full potential of this actor, which I'm probably not. I just can't see it. He's, he he's fine. Like it's, it's not, it's not the Shakespearean stage actor version of beast that we all want. Like, it's not the one that we prefer, but it's like the high school slash college, like athletic kind of dreamy uh, before he turns totally blue uh, version of beast. Um that you can like maybe believably understand eventually becomes the Kelsey Grammer version. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. We'll all see. <laughs> well, <laughs> that was X3. Uh, I don't know. Where, where are we ranking? Are we doing the X-Men movies now? or or? Uh, I, I don't think. Well, we wouldn't have started with three and then went back. So <laughs> I don't think so. That would have been really funny though. <laughs> would be funny true <laughs> i don't know what our hilarious. next movie will be but we'll find something yeah i think i think we are united by saying <laughs> that x-men united is the best of this original trilogy followed by x-men and then yeah. this like a, a distant distant third yeah agreed <laughs> it's just not yeah it's i don't even want to say any more nice things about it i just think it's dumb and bad and it, but I, uh, I still <laughs> had a great time talking about it yeah Absolutely. well folks thanks a lot for for coming and uh don't forget to do whatever it is that you do <laughs> good night everybody good night bye